You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Welcome to Axe to Grind. Uh, I'm the King 810 apologist, Patrick Kinlan. <laughs> I'm Bob. I'm Tom. And joining I'm us Pat. today. Oh, say oh. it again. Oh, I'm Pat. What's up, Pat? How are you? I'm doing well. Hanging in there. Uh, All right. Before, Yo, we get, before we get started, I just want to say... Uh, that's a joke, but it's also real. I watched a complete King 810 uh, live from Bloodstock uh, last night where I spent the entire time. And I actually like some of this band's music. No apologies. But I, but, but I spent the entire time trying to figure out what was going on because it's the drummer, guitarist and vocalist on a massive stage. And the, so the whole time I'm like, I'm like, look, I don't understand everything about production. I know many bands use backing tracks right now. What the fuck am I looking at? There's no bassist. There's no second guitar. And a lot is happening. What is going on? The rest of the band probably can't leave the country. That might oh, be yeah. true. And Actually, I, the, the two dudes that the two dudes that were up for felonious uh, uh, assault are the two dudes that were there. Oh, weird. So let me one up that. Let me one up that because I don't watch many hardcore videos or whatever the fuck King 810 is. Um, (laughs) But I did spend like 15 minutes uh, mouth open watching uh, the Misfits with Zoli at the Masquerade, uh, like whatever, 2002 or three or whenever the hell that was. Yeah. And it's surreal. Yes, good. Um, all right. If you weren't looking at it, if you weren't watching, it's like son. It's it doesn't sound bad. Like Zoli can sing and he hits all the notes, and it's not like he's, it's not like he's totally fucking it up. He's he's singing the songs. It sounds okay, but then you look and it's you know Beach Bro with bleached hair. No, Beach Bro blonde hair, but he does have a a misfit skull like sleeveless cut tee. Um, oh no! It just looks odd, and they play the songs a little weird. I want you guys to guess. Let's do round the round the room. Start with start with our guest Pat. Um, how long do you think the set was? Oh man! <sighs> Stab in the dark. Poof! Uh, uh, I don't know. So uh, like, but I, before I have to preface it with my recent Zoli watching, which was. <laughs> Oh the, yeah, uh, the the Budapest, my love song. Yes, has, has anyone? Hold on, you shared that. I shared it with the gang. Oh good. That video yeah. has been taken down from the internet, and you can't find it anymore. <laughs> oh, I watched. I watched it twenty times. <laughs> it's it's so unbelievable. Taken down? Did I have anything to do with that? Did I, I think? I think you propagated it too much, and it just like too much heat. 
too many views. Yo, can I can I offer a hot take that's not going to go well in this particular fucking conversation? I liked it better than any Ignite material I'd ever heard. <laughs> wow. Budapest, Damn. My love. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a great song. Call <laughs> <laughs> uh, brothers, though? Come on, man. Yeah. I, right, I got to wonder if... I wonder if Zoli gets down with uh, with old Victor Orban because that video makes it seem like he's just straight up Hungarian again. Yeah, uh, it does. Um, the part, my favorite part of the video is when he walks past the um, the the bus, the statue, just a head and shoulders, and just does like a hat, like a tip of the hat nod at it. Yes, it's <laughs> like, great. Is that like a Hungarian? <laughs> like, is that what people in Hungary do as they walk past the statue? Like, what's going on here? Uh, here here's a question. So. Uh, I found some photos of me where I looked beefy and I was very proud of myself. And we saw. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And so, somebody was complimentary and, and compared me to a, 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 a hardcore uh, singer that is bigger than me. And I was, I was so pleased and happy. Now here's the question. Is it the dude from trap them? <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's the first thought I had with it's You're the guy from trap them with better teeth. Yeah, that's a fact. People used to have us take photos next to each other because we look alike. But here's what it is. How many pounds do I, of muscle do I got to put on before I approach Zoli? Oh, 40. 40? 40 pounds of muscle? Yo, he's, Dude, puff, he's puff big. He would be like, like, like pro wrestler puffy sometimes. You know what I mean? And no implications on what that means. But like he, got, he would be big. Like this Misfits Zoli video, yes. he's big. I mean, um, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from him, but I was hoping. I was hoping 25. I guess. All right. I'm gonna nice cut to the chase. The uh, they played for an hour and 54 minutes. Oh, oh, my, oh God. my God! Not surprised. Not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> I was yeah. gonna say an hour 20. So they really, yeah. they really went for yeah. it. Give you a lot I'm of bang for the 85. buck. Yeah, bang for the buck, guys. Um, all right. So we'll probably talk a lot more about King 810, Zoli, and uh, the Misfits today. <laughs> um, but before Great we start. do, let's uh, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors. Today we are going to start with closed casket activities. Let's do uh, it. As we mentioned, a lot of stuff in the pipeline. You might be able to guess some of the stuff coming out because of Bansy's announced signing, but there's no announcements of records. Uh, for right now, what I'm going to tell you to do is to go to closedcasketactivities.com. Tom, what's the code you're going to want to enter? Extra grind. And uh, Pat, what do you do with that code? Well, there's two of us. I'm going to say I'm going to say spell it out. Yeah, that's good. Um, and by the Gulch Burning Desire to Draw Last Breath slash Demolition of Human Construction 10-inch um, that Closed Casket didn't put out but is available for mail order through them. Uh, it's the recorded output so far for Gulch, the, the studio stuff. I think it's really good. If you like what you've seen live, if you like that live on Axe Grind set, go check it out. Obviously, they're going to have some more material at some point in the not-too-distant future. So uh, so give it a start there. And then we're going to look to upgrade your wardrobe a little bit. Patrick, you're a man of the Capital District. That's a fact. Top you against the world. <laughs> You were on the wrong side of the river for this, but we're gonna we're gonna make an exception. Um, closed casket army hoodie. What do you prefer, the green or the black with red and white ink? Which which way are you going? Oh, is this like a a, a loyalist versus uh, uh, 
Uh, what's the other faction in Northern Ireland? I don't want to get myself in trouble here. Um, yeah, so gotta, you're Italian. You don't have to worry. Yeah, you're like an Italian. You don't worry about it. Okay, that's a fact. All right, so um, before I go any further, as you stated, but I'm going to reiterate, I'm from the other side of the river and, and have no claim to Troy at all for the remaining Troy Corps people that that uh, take it very seriously. Might ride uh, up on you on a dirt bike, sure. Yeah, might ride up on me on, <laughs> on execution-style uh, uh, <laughs> execution decaled dirt bike uh, to hurt me. Uh, I'm going to say I'll go with the red. Okay, I like that one too. See, I um, thought you'd go green, Pat. I feel like you're like a drab colors kind of guy. I am a drab colors guy, but every time that I wear something a little bit more vibrant, people compliment me, and I, I'm getting old. I need all the compliment, compliments I can get. Pop. Yeah, I got it. Mm. What can we like? You might need to move back to upstate permanent so we can start the Schenectady label and start repping Schenectady. Fuck. Um, <laughs> we'll call it Riley Core. So, uh, thank you to Close Casket. Check that stuff out. Obviously, we'll keep you in the loop as we're allowed to, but he's got a lot of great stuff. Let's, uh, let's swing over to one of our other sponsors, Run for Cover Records, Massachusetts, Pat. Uh, you you got something that's uh, that's popping off RFC? Yeah, yeah, I'm about I'm I am an actual fan of the new Elvis Presley record. I think it's called uh, Depressedelica. Yes, something like that. Yeah, you're you're uh, right. Uh, is it de- Depressedelica or is it Depressedelica? Depressedelica. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it open for the masses. Okay. Uh, but uh. Uh, yeah, I, the record's good. Starts off strong. Track one is a real uh, heater, uh, and uh, it—I would say—it it finishes strong as well too. Uh, there's, a, there's a nice little uh, decline, not in joy or or level, but like in mood towards the middle, and then it kind of crawls out. Uh, and I think the it's the second to last song. It's called "Let's Break Up the Band." Okay, and uh, I, he's speaking quite literally, I believe. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know, but nonetheless, I like the guy's lyrics. It's hard for me to find lyrics that I like these days. That's not like throwing shade on what people are doing, but uh, I just, uh, it really needs to, to connect with me. And there's some like real true beauty, uh, lyrics in there and the, the record's good. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm new to like slow to discover old, uh, Elvis here, but, uh, he's been doing the the damn thing since 2012 i i I, I first one of heard one of his records in 2014 2015 so i don't know how too far behind i am but i don't know the record cover looks has him looking like jesus on the on on the cover so it's a a good cover for sure yeah he looks like budweiser jesus for sure yeah i i don't know if it's like his last record i got a real like uh yeah this is uh, this seems like the end of the road here uh, uh, release. So, <laughs> no, and like, th- thinking about the artwork, I was like, damn, this is, this is a great way to go out. I'm just going to just let the public think I'm Jesus and then peace. I think that first song is, uh, is actually very good and um, is a little different than a lot of the material I've heard from, from Elvis to Presley. So uh, yeah, this is a cool record. I think everyone should check it out. Great recommendation, Pat. Uh, we're going to go to runforcoverrecords.com, Massachusetts resident. You're going to enter what promo code? Ask to grind. And uh, LA uh, refugee, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> that uh, I, I, preferred, I pre- prefer displaced persons. 
you, you can I apologize. Spell it out. Thank you. Um, spell it out. We uh, didn't get but, to hear Kimlin sing the Get Up Kit song because usually we do the Mass uh, Pike. Swing out the Mass Pike. I know. Yeah. So, uh, uh, fellas, does, does any do you know what a th- this word is tough for me? Uh, Misericord. Do, do you know what a misericord is? I know what no. misericordia is. No. So, 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 Tom. Yeah, Misericordia, we know as the damnation record, but do you, do you, do you, you're a vague Latin speaker. Do you, do you know what it means? I'm a vague Latin speaker. That's new to me. <laughs> we established this last episode because yes. you, could, you could pronounce umbra vitae. Oh, yeah. I'm with the and me and Patrick were like speak. having a hard time. I said, can I have help? And Pat said, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You went to law school. You had to learn at least the, the, the roots for some of these. That's so, true. so, uh, Misericord, misericordia, so far as I can tell, just means mercy. Um, but misericord is is a device, and I learned this last night. And for some reason, the Elvis de Presley thing reminded me. Um, it's a long, narrow knife that is meant to go in the eye the eye slit of a knight's um, uh, 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 helmet. So if that he is grievously injured, this is how you quickly end his life. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, I, nice medieval uh, <laughs> mercy behavior. Um, so thank you also to our other sponsors, Deathwish Inc. and to Live a Lie. Support all these labels. It's a good time for that. Uh, a lot of people forget that small record labels are small businesses. And uh, obviously we all support that, especially in times like this. So um all right Buy let's records. get into it yeah got our, time go home stay home listen to records it's great yeah and yo shout out to run for cover because i don't know if you guys seen this uh they've posted a few pictures of it but they're sending people extra records when they order kind of as a like hey we we really believe in encouraging people to stay inside and stay safe uh since you ordered a record thank you here's another one so that's that's, that's awesome. a fucking cool move that's very um, cool all right so what's what's the mood of the room pat guest pat um, so for clarification, we'll have Patrick, Mr. Displaced Person, and Pat, Massachusetts. Is that cool? Sounds yeah, good. Sounds good. All right. Um, we got anything Anything interesting to talk on? Anything popping in the world? Because I have a couple relevant questions I wanted to drop to, to our guest before we get into just our normal this and that. Uh, I mean, everything is COVID, everything with bands. Yeah doing their desperate effort to stay relevant during a time where people's minds are anywhere else. Um, so I have a good question that we may have to take out depending on Massachusetts Pat's take on it. Oh, okay. I love, I love that kind of stuff. If, if it means you might have to edit it, it sounds good. Yes. It's not a, it's nothing problematic. Right so, um, a friend of the room, David Anthony, did David the, Anthony. Uh, worked on the bio for the new fiddlehead record. Oh, yeah, 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 that guy, yeah. <laughs> that dude. I, so I'm sorry, said, I'm just terrible no, at names. No, nice no, 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 it's great. He's a great dude. So he's, I guess, I don't know how this stuff works, but, like, usually, like, I guess they send, like, kind of, like, a questionnaire before oh. the person gets on the phone with you. And apparently you had a very interesting take on the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> I don't know if you're comfortable speaking that out into the in public. No, yeah, yeah. I actually try to make it as public as possible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Uh, I, I mean, 
I, I'm of the belief. So when I started going to shows in, in, in mass, 98, 99, like the dropkick Murphys were like, like a pretty big thing, but totally locally. Um, I think when does do or die come out? It's like 98. Yeah, I think so. Um, it had to be 97, 98 because I remember the, the, the new singer came on in 99, but whatever it was, they were, you know, like massive to like anything punk related. And from, from my understanding, they came up in all, all the, all ages venues throughout the Boston music scene. And that's where their notoriety came from. Then they, they caught the attraction of, I think, what were they on epitaph? Is that? Yep. Yeah. Hellcat, uh, which was like a subsidiary. Right, right, right. And then, I mean, that jet setted them into the great notoriety that they enjoy today with Martin Scorsese films and, you know, Mark Wahlberg references and, you know, <laughs> good, good for them. Uh, Arena rock. Yeah. But like, you know, so like, you know, fantastic to, you know, get people together, blah, blah, blah. But Boston has, and just Massachusetts in general has like always suffered from like, like having no venues to play. Um, and you know, which, which is cool to have that slight desperation, but like, I, I, I'm of the belief, my theory is that, uh, a music community thrives when it has like a dependent, dependable venue to go to. Uh, I think that there's an argument, a historical argument to be made that like some of the best scenes throughout the eighties and nineties they are you know, if you kind of look closer, like those scenes were like very much so revolving around like one or two venues within the area that were, you know, pretty consistent. 100%. So, you know, uh, it, it, like Boston, it, like at least you know, from the two thousands and, and on had, have, has like always suffered from venues. Now, one historical factor to consider, do you guys remember the, the great white, uh, fire incident? Of course. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean that, so that was in Rhode Island for people who don't know, there was, um, uh, this kind of hair butt rock band, Great White, played this very small venue in somewhere in Rhode Island. Uh, yep. And at the, it was called the Station or something like that. And I mean, the venue was extremely small, but they had pyrotechnics in this like classroom size venue. And a horrible tragedy uh, emerged, and there was a, a terrible fire. and the reports of like people's like skin just like melting off people couldn't get out i was like probably 15 when this happened and what that did for all music venues was it just completely like shut everything down if you wanted to play like music in the basement of like of like a of like there used to in new bedford there was like a in the downtown area there was a like a boutique that allowed people to play shows in the basement of the boutique. And even that was shut down. So there was just like no shows anywhere. Um, and, you know, slowly but surely, you know, people stopped paying attention to fire code restrictions and, uh, you know, you could sort of play out outside of like the sewers of Massachusetts, but still there's never really been like a place for young people to really go for music. And I, I remember someone telling me that I, I could have this wrong, but like green day, apparently like, they they helped fund Gilman Street. I don't know if they still yes, do correct. that. They uh, they help they help put Gilman uh, when Gilman had a couple issues. Green Day just kind of back ended it. 
Oh, okay. Well, my, my thinking was that like, they're like, you know, secretly funding it. I mean, I heard this like 10 years ago now that I'm like a little bit older and wiser and probably I'm, I'm more along the lines of like, yeah, they maybe like threw them a couple bucks once and that was it. But you know, for, for like 10 years, I've been of the, of this thought that like green day, you know, saved Gilman street. And my thinking is that the fucking dropkick Murphys who really like historically speaking, their success is entirely attributed to like all ages venues in Boston in the mid to late nineties. Like they, they haven't thrown a single dime to like the Boston punk scene. Uh, and I don't know, like, not that they, they owe anything to that, like to anybody, but I just think that would be nice if they did. I don't really give a shit, but uh, <laughs> like at the end of the day, like, you know, I, it, it's, I always have, I've had a couple run-ins with, with, with that band and they, they seem like nice gentlemen. Ken Casey seems like a nice guy. Uh, we just record, like when we, we were recording the last Fiddlehead record at Q division and Dropkick was recording every day there too. And, um, I, I don't know. I, it would just be nice if like a little heat went on them and then they like opened up a venue, but none of that really matters anymore at all anyway, because you know, live music is just completely dead. Uh, and if not dead, it's when it returns, especially hardcore, I, I just think it's going to be unrecognizable to, uh, where we see it now. It's going to be very interesting on the comeback. Um, so like, so this is our plea to dropkick Murphy's. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm on tonight. Thank you for having me. So we're right. going to take some yeah. call-ins. Uh, we want everyone to share your thoughts with Dropkicks. one uh, <laughs> irish boy with hey, an O-I. Hey, this is Ken Casey. <laughs> Ken, you're on. on. Let's go. Um, so, Behind uh, Fenway Park. Ken <laughs> from Revere. Fucking <laughs> No, I mean, what you said isn't wrong, though. Massachusetts no, and New England has been uh, dry on that shit for a long time, and... And I mean, when you look around, because it's not just like, so Green Day definitely has helped with the Gilman thing. I believe D4, Tom, you know this story better than I. D4 yeah. sued Green Day. Money. Yeah, yeah. They, American Idiot was a ripoff of a uh, Dillinger 4 song. They took the money that they got in the lawsuit and opened Triple Rock. In, that in is the sick. It's the fucking cool shit. Yeah, we played there. I played there. It, the venue's awesome. And there was tons of fucking young kids, and that show was nuts. Uh, so. so, I mean, that's the, that's the gist is the idea, like a venue, certainly if you have a study venue, it enables things to happen. It enables music and enables a lot of really cool things, especially all ages is the way to go with that shit. Um, all right. So my two questions and we'll, we'll throw these around one. What do you prefer the breakdown 87 demo or the raw deal demo? Uh, probably breakdown i would say jesus all right thank you uh it's just got a little more grit to it yeah Uh, feels a little more like i don't know (laughs) feels a little more like ignorant (laughs) yes well that's Uh, what we bring you in for you know what i mean so yeah and and i I don't know i'm more of a killing time guy so you know whereas breakdown kind of stayed the course yeah no I, i'm with all right and the other question is what is your favorite karate kid movie oh man uh definitely not the hillary swank one um no. i i gotta i i have i have i i got Ma- massachusetts beef with hillary swank if you want to hear that oh, of course shit. Was there a- yeah, please 
right. Jesus, taking uh, shots at drop kicks and Hillary Swank. Oh my God. How, how do you expect me to get to the top? I, I, I gotta, I gotta take shots at the Giants. Yeah, you know step on saying? the throats <laughs> of the, the, the Titans. Uh, so, uh, luckily like the trend of making movies of, about stories in Massachusetts has kind of died down in Hollywood. Um, but for a while, like, not that I was like, Hey, you're getting my fucking culture wrong. None of that, (laughs) that, 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 that wasn't it. Don't get me wrong. I liked it when they got it right. And which was rare, but I don't know. I like, I thought the fighter was pretty good. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but I thought that, uh, Christian Bale, you know, who people give a lot. Remember when he, Remember when Christian Bale got a lot of shit for uh, yelling at like some some a guy light, that was a, light, a lighting tech? Yeah. yeah, I like a lot of people were like, "Oh, he's such an asshole." For one, like I don't know if anyone has seen like the Terminator movies, like post T two, but they've all like completely sucked. And most most Awful. action movies, most action movies have have sucked. It's like post post t2 in my personal opinion that might be the greatest action movie of all time but like if you got a guy who is trying to take like the you know the shit end of the stick era of action movies like christian bale who's trying to take it seriously and make it something that people actually want to see like and and i wouldn't get mad at him for getting mad at someone who's not taking it seriously i would get mad at the light tech guy so that's a that's a side point. Now, Christian Bale when he did the fighter, like you know, he he really like it, it like having grown up in Massachusetts and in the new around the New Bedford area, knowing the likes of New Bedford and its similarities to Lowell. Um, can yes. can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like I really appreciated the character that Christian Bale had when. Um, he was in the uh, man. My, my connection's kind of breaking up right now. Hold on a second. Mm. <laughs> so you guys aren't interested in bloodstock? Is that what you're saying? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah we, we hear, hear you. you. Okay, all right. That's a little bit better now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, th- I'm. Pat, I'm sorry if you're gonna have to edit all this. I, I'm just keeps it keeps cutting in on my phone. Um, no, do do your thing. It's all good. Uh, so so anyway, um, Christian Bale takes the role seriously in the fighter. He loses a lot of weight, and he actually like, really connected with that that type of uh, persona identity quite well. And I appreciated his his effort. I mean, he's a fucking aristocratic millionaire who uh, is getting paid literally to play like the peasantry. Uh, and there's something kind of fucked up about that. So at least you could, the least thing you could do is like destroy your body to, you know, to meet the standard of reality, uh, in that case. Now, my problem though, is that around the height of like this Massachusetts trend of, of movies, uh, there was one film that came out with Hillary Swank and she played, uh, a lawyer. Uh, no, she played, a, a, like the story's like, like it's a, based on a true story. And that was one of the key things to keep in mind here. It was a true story about a guy who was uh, went to prison, uh, wrongly accused, and his sister believed that he was innocent. So she became a lawyer and 
defended him and then was able to oh, kind of right. get him out of prison. Uh, it's, a, it's a true story, apparently. And Hillary Swank, like, you know, jumped on that that trend. But there was a big problem when they were making that film. And, like, one of it was that, like, the, the person who was murdered, uh, like, or their, the family of the person who was murdered was, like, like uncomfortable with the making of that film. And uh, apparently, like, Hillary Swank was either, like, an asshole to that family uh, or, like, didn't reach out to them or something along the line. She did something discourteous. And the, the acting job was bad. The Massachusetts accent was bad. It was all trash. Therefore, I will not choose the Hillary Swank Karate Kid film as my selection. Wow. Yeah. How was Christian Bale's Boston, uh, Massachusetts accent? I thought it was great. Uh, I thought that, I thought it was awesome. That scene where he's like, he's like, Hey, said a nice dog. Said a cock spaniel. That was good. <laughs> so if Christian Bale was doing a remake of karate kid, what character would he play? Miyagi. I, I could see him just being the, the blonde haired bully guy. Yeah. Uh, what's that dude's Billy real name? Zabka? Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Billy Zane. Right. Billy's on. No, Billy no, Zane's Billy's... not. Billy Zane's not in Credit Kid, is he? No, no, who's Billy the, who's, Zane's not. No, who's the, what's that dude's name? The blonde guy. Billy Zapka. Why isn't anyone hearing me? Zapka. There we go. Was he in? Uh, uh, did anyone see that other movie? Just one of the guys. Yeah, he was in that. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. He played a bully in that one too. Good bully. He rocks. Love him. Um, hey, all right. Cobra Kai. Yeah. The YouTube program. We, we're going to start doing like low key ads where it's like, oh, yeah, why are the guys on Instagram just talking about these YouTube shows so much for like three weeks in a row? <laughs> why, why are they constantly pumping Mike Bloomberg? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just think he's got some interesting things to say and we should give him some time. Um, all right. Uh, Pat, one of the things we thought would be fun to do with you was to just dive into our mailbag and answer some random questions and kind of yeah, let, sure. let the conversation spill out. So let's see. Do let me find one right now that works. Uh-huh. Let, let me ask Pat a question real quick Go for it off the top of your head, Pat. Uh, we do these year in hardcore, uh, uh episodes <laughs> and, uh, we got one coming up. Uh, what is your favorite year in hardcore? If you had to guess, Oh, that's a great question. Uh, it's a very nerdy question because it requires you thinking about the release dates of albums that you love. But uh, I, I'm curious about everybody's answer now because the answers that I'm coming to doing these uh, episodes is surprising. Ah, uh, man. Well, I, I, I love those episodes because when you find out that a record was actually in one year and not the other, uh, it, it just kind of makes you scratch your head about the history of it. Um, uh, see the, here's the thing. Like I, I definitely in my lived experience, it's, it's hard because usually the, you, you, usually it's like, it's a time after the record comes out. Um, I don't know. Uh, off the top of my head, if I had to guess my, my favorite, I mean, are, ah, shit! What a great question. Um, I'm gonna. I. Damn. Uh, okay. You know, I, I'm gonna go with. 
I just think 85 is an interesting year. When, when yes. does 85 seems really interesting. That's like, I mean, I think that's when like Stephen Blush said hardcore died or something like that. But like, uh, I, I don't know. I think that you get a lot, you, you get a lot of early stuff dying and then like some really bad evolutionary decisions and then some really yes. great ones. Yes. And, uh, and then a new wave of stuff about to explode. Totally, totally. It, like, it's, I, I just, because you get, you get the Embrace record, and doesn't Can't Close My Eyes come out in 85? Um, yes. Yes, I think so. It's 85 yeah. or 86. I think it's 85. It I, comes I mean, out before Uniform, it comes out before uh, Screaming for Change, which is sort of mind-blowing to me. Right. Uh, did, did they know, did YOT, like, did... Because I know that uniform choice had actually existed for a long time before, like yes. the screen for change came out. But did, like, did anyone give a shit about that? Like, you know, on the East Coast, did anyone really care about that rendition of uniform choice, or was that really just oh, like a West pre- Coast love? I mean, I think I, well, from what I understand, screaming for change was held up a lot, so there were tapes of it circulating, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I think people really fucked with it and that made it so that when Uniform Choice did eventually come to the East Coast, people cared. Um, but okay. but anything, you know, like there's the pre, the early, early Uniform Choice stuff that just no one really, really cares about. Um, the yeah. pre-Dubar Uniform Choice, really no one cares about. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I think it was, it's that was one of the ones when you talk about years in hardcore that I was like, wait a second, because Can't Close My Eyes did come out in 85. It's like, how did this come out before that? Um, because I associate Uniform Choice with this weird, like, half-step wave between the first Lions wave right, of American hardcore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Like, it's kind of like Uniform Choice in seven seconds following this little wave here. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. no, 85 is a good year. That was one of the years that was going through my head because you have all the DC stuff um, and kind of like the rebirth of DC. Uh, you have... Yeah, you have the new Northeast stuff is starting to get interesting. Boston's not Boston's in a weird spot right there. I think this is full cock rock Boston, but Slapjack yeah. comes next year. Like eighty six right. is back on the map. Yeah, yeah, that that that's got to be my favorite year. Like just because of the like the interesting history that that is taking place. Then, because I mean, for all intents and purposes, hardcore could have just straight up fucking died right at that year it could have just been like a thing that didn't continue on but it did so that's interesting uh now whichever one of you is causing this horrendous feedback in 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 my recording uh i'm gonna urge you to stop now uh and i have a follow-up question uh for pat flynn yeah do you think how's your fitness right now oh man it could be better do you think that you could do a wall assisted handstand where you put your shirt on while you're doing uh, the handstand. Yeah. So, so the challenge would be to do a handstand, uh, with your shirt, uh, off and then put your shirt on, uh, obviously going against gravity and trying like, so you can only use one hand at a time. Clearly. Um, do what do you do at the end? Is it like a French tuck kind of deal or? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Let, no. Let's hear from everybody. Do you think you could do it without, without like with total certainty? No. No? 
Yes, I plan on doing it after this. We're done recording. Me I too. Think. I, I think I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> what is a wall-assisted handstand? When you lean against the wall, your your your, fe- your feet are against the wall. Your 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 hands are on the floor. Oh, okay. I've never done that a in my life, like ever. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to like tack on putting on a shirt in the process. Of that. <laughs> You got to start on hard mode if you want to make easy easy. So Patrick, yeah. can we um, can you video? Can you film that? So Absolutely. I want to like, <laughs> see the impact when your neck folds in half. Tom, did you think you even really had to ask? Like, just go on his Instagram story immediately following this call. Actually, Tom, sure. I thought about you when I was going to do like a funny, fun, like Instagram video from the gym. And, but obviously showing off that I'm fucking Jack now. And, and I, I knew that you would chew me the fuck up. I, I, I knew there was no way around it. If I did, you know, if I can only, if I could get through to Morgado, like I get through to you, the world would be a better place. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see. I do actually have some questions here um, for for the room. So let's dive into it. Uh, Dawson emails us and says, "Mysterious guy, hardcore." Uh, let's see what they got here. He says he loves the world burns to death recommendation. Also uh, believes the all else failed record. This never happened is their best LP and Agreed. is great. And yeah. Um, Anyways, wondering if any of you guys has an opinion on Mysterious Guy Hardcore. Does it still Uh, exist? What do you think of the term? Are bands like Gag an extension of this quote-unquote genre? Also, from a marketing standpoint, did this help bands that played this style of hardcore? Is there anything remotely similar to this type of marketing in modern hardcore? Thanks, Dawson. Thank you, Dawson. Uh, Mysterious Guy Hardcore. Does it... um, We do have opinions. Does it still exist? Uh, not in the same capacity. There's obviously bands playing that type of music, uh, but the marketing has lost its impact. Uh, kids have kind of, I mean, all due respect to the labels that are still putting out that type of material. It just doesn't have the same cultish energy around it at the moment. Hey, Patrick, help me, help me discern mysterious guy, hardcore from, uh, like loft punk. It, it, they're kissing cousins, Tom. Kissing cousins. That's what I assumed. Right. Okay. So, uh, Bob, you listened to the hoax record recently. Is that true? Yeah, not long ago. Probably within the last six months because I think I'd, I'd at some point uh, was like, yeah, whatever. I, it, it just never really clicked for me. I listened to it because uh, someone I trusted was like, yo, that, that record really is good. And it, it is pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I was told... Uh, Ian and I, Ian and I drove by the guy from Hoax the other day, and he goes, "Oh, dude from Hoax." I said, "What's he up to?" He goes, "I think playing death metal," and I go, "That's where he belongs." And he, and Ian said, "No, that that Hoax record has riffs." He, he Ian stands by it. I haven't revisited it in a decade or whatever the fuck it is. Um, but to me, they were the Johnny Come Latelys on the aesthetic of uh, Mysterious Guy. Anyway, Mysterious Guy was tired by the time that they arrived, and then did their full like you know, like dollar store fucked up, uh, sort of thing to the, to the aesthetic. But, uh, I have infinite feelings on how bad this genre sucks a dick. So save me for last, <laughs> save me for last. All right. So here's the thing that I'll say, and then I want to get Tom and Pat before we get back to Patrick. Um, 
Mysterious Guy Hardcore, when it started being a thing that people called it, it certainly is a derision. It's like it's people kind of shitting on it, I think, in the same way that Amazing Core is kind of like being like, yeah, it's Amazing Core. Um, <laughs> the idea of Mysterious Guy Hardcore, it was like, like, what are we doing here? Because there were certain bands who I think maybe like, like is Sex Vid a Mysterious Guy Hardcore band? Yes. Okay. So yeah. like that was a band I liked. Uh, saw them live. Live, they were more fun than the records. I think led on, um, and and it wasn't like, but it didn't feel like cool club shit. I saw them in a small room in Santa Ana, not because it was like, hey, cool, this is where they're playing. It was just like, this is where the person who booked them could book them. Um, I my only issue with it is when the bands kind of bought into the idea of like cooler than or like nose in the air attitude because otherwise like abrasive aggressive like dirty punk hardcore i'm all in i'm in for a lot of that and um like you know like we can get to the origin point of this shit at another point but but the whole vibe of it was totally lost on me just because of where i was at in life when this shit like took off i was in my late 20s and literally could not give a single damn about something that was like so so oddly nose in the air and and, you know it just it just didn't and i'm not saying that the bands were because like i don't i don't know any of these bands but just the the attitude of it seemed like that was what it was putting out there uh, was Sex Vid from Western Mass? No, they no. were from uh, Seattle. Uh, I, 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 I want to say they were, from, yeah, maybe Olympia. Uh, shout out to RJ, who was my coworker before he moved out to Olympia and started that band. Nice dude. Was Nick Turner in Sex Vid? No, he was just in Cold Sweat, right? That sounds right. Yeah, okay. Uh, shout out Cold Sweat. Why did I think? I, I think Sex Vid played Boston and some, some Western Mass band was there that night but yeah. uh my my take on that scene bob uh I, well, for one like I, i'm actually legitimately unfamiliar with the, the terminology of mysterious guy hardcore i like <laughs> yeah it, it's like when you said it i was like i was like what what are we talking about here right uh, right and, and now that you kind of like you've associated it with like th- that like bands like hoax I can sort of see that. Like Patrick is, is fucked up mysterious guy, hardcore. Like I I don't know this. No, no, no. Uh, Fucked up is the origin point for modern mysterious guy. Like their their roots, their roots. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, uh, so Pat, let me explain real quick. Please Uh, give us all the history lesson here. If you, if you, uh, make your identity, uh, arguing about which black flag record, uh, was best. Uh, and then, uh, also, uh, uh, say that your favorite band is void. Uh, but, but like, if you're not a poser, you'll have the conversation about neon Christ too. Sure. But, but, (laughs) but then you adopt, you basically adopt. uh, So fucked up is the best marketers in the history of hardcore. They, they, they they were Lana Del Rey for hardcore. 100, 100%. And then all of the poser acts that that walked in their fucking footsteps in the snow uh, is what made up the uh, youth attack roster for about four years. Yeah. Okay. And there's people that love that music. That's cool. 
uh, anybody that loves that aesthetic, that vibe can blow me. It is the, it, it is everything that I dislike in hardcore and everything that every time that this comes up and like, I'm a hater of, uh, of locking out stuff, locking out looks egalitarian and welcoming by fucking comparison to the absolute fraudy, uh, uh, nose in the air, nonsense elitism of dudes who then went on to be fucking ice agents. So suck a fucking dick. <laughs> so, so wow. like, I, I was checked out because a lot of this stuff is the kind of musical stuff that I would have been into, but, but it wasn't clicking on my radar at the time. It was, it was like a, a time when, when I, it's probably one of the times I was most, not plugged into newer bands coming out so i'd see stuff and it's like yeah oh i saw that band squirm i had the record i think i squirm it. yeah yeah, yeah okay. squirm's the western mass band probably yeah okay they play with sex did at this right. show yeah okay yeah and like i actually got the record and thought oh it's all right and i saw them live and what it just you know didn't didn't kick it for me um but i wasn't like offended by any of it but i remember hearing this term and i i like much the way you said that I was a bit confused because I'm like, well, I, I fuck with fucked up a lot. Like clearly, like that's a band I really ride for. Um, and there's other bands of this that I like, but this feels different now. So, um, so here's a question: Since I'm on, I'm with Mr. Flynn, and I don't totally. So this was like this term was used like with derision. But well, Tom, Tom, let me jump out. So it was used with derision and then soft adopted by the people who were being derided. So what I mean to say by that is it's one of those things where, where you're like, mysterious guy, there's no such thing. Like that's something that somebody that is into mysterious guy would say. And it's like a word game where like you get, a, you get accused of something and you soft admit it by adopting it yourself. It's like scrams to some degree. Mm-hmm. So are there going to be bands called like door band door guy hardcore is going to be a thing soon? One can only hope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I remember, I remember when, well, for one, like I remember when when fucked up first started playing, and I was like, oh, this is cool. I like their aesthetic. It it kind of, it. I remember it reminding me of like, crass and kind and like like kind of like like anarcho Oz rotten like like yeah. light like rendi- sure. like renditions and being like all right that that's cool i i get it it's a little bit more it's like a refined world war ii era aesthetic and i would be like all right fine whatever and then it became it did it seemed like it just became like the complete trend and norm from like what 2003 to 2011 or something like that and i remember when hope started playing and I, I like see when you said mysterious guy hardcore. I thought you were making a reference to something that, like, my my friends and I used to refer to like uh, when 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 bands would have a singer that's really crazy. Oh, that factors uh, in. That factors okay. in. Right. Yeah. So like, uh, I remember seeing a video of Hoax, and I remember being like, "Hmm, is this like a really crazy uh, band?" And then I listened to the record, and I was like, "Oh, you know what? These, there's some there's some fucking riffs here, and the lyrics are cool. And you know what? Like, people like it looked like people were going off for them. And the thing I hated roughly about that scene was that it didn't seem like anyone actually like had like was 
like there to mosh. <laughs> it was really like a place to just sort of like drink a Paps Blue Ribbon and just kind of like silently remark on how cool you feel. Uh, and I just sort of remember being like, ah, I'm getting older. I don't have the time for it. Uh, but, uh, but, but some, but, you know, there were like, I remember hoax seemed to always have like a really great reaction. So, uh, I guess my take on it is pretty, uh, it is more like, ah, it's not my thing, but, um, uh, you know, I, I could see, I don't know if, if it got riffs, it got riffs and the people yeah, are going tracks off, are tracks, great. you know, tracks uh, are tracks. But like, if you're this kind of like, uh, like fake post, post fun, like stage of being in hardcore, and, and like that, that that's enough. Just just keep walking. You're you're boring everybody, uh, and that that's really more on like the crowd than the bands. I would say, for sure. I I think it's. I mean, it's like um, like anything. I I really I. I blanched at the idea that you could call mysterious guy hardcore a, a genre per se right. but it certainly had a moment where like this was being this label and like mm-hmm. anything the the really good from that was was just like legitimately oh this is really good and then there's there's other factions of it maybe are just leaning into the aesthetic or like vibe value and you know take it or leave it at that point there i'm i've known people who like that era like that mid era because i think a lot of that and patrick correct me if i'm wrong that's the era of youth attack that really like uh sticks something in your ribs is that right yeah uh it's it's honestly like dudes saying like hey i don't know what you're talking about this is just raw punk you know what i mean and you're like (laughs) uh, you're like oh so you're like a you're like a total clown you know what i mean like it's it's uh this stuff is like almost triggering for me as you can probably tell from my level of aggression here i i I hate it so much that somebody that is fucking uh like floating through a culture would attempt to be a gatekeeper within it there's there's almost nothing more offensive like like i don't give a fuck if you give a fuck about hardcore that's that like live your life it's got nothing to do with me but like when if you're around for two years and during that time you want to be the fucking police you and I are going to have a serious fucking problem. So that's, that's what these people were to me. It was, uh, like taste cops from people who are now, now probably listening to the literal band, the police and haven't listened to a hardcore record in in the last eight, nine years. So, uh, again, live your life. Nobody's mad at you for moving on to different parts of your life. But if you're, effort when you are involved in something is to control it you fucking suck i can get by that all right um william asks question this is what we get every six months uh but it's it's been at least a year since we've answered one so why not what's your guys opinion on non-straight edge people wearing straight edge band merch like I've always listened to bands with straight edge messages, despite me not being edge. And I've always wondered what bands think of stuff like that. Do they care that a non edge dude is repping their band while possibly enjoying a beer or just stoked for the support regardless, or is it a non issue? And I'm just worrying about dumb shit, possibly a dumb question, but I'm curious about what you guys think. Uh, and he says some nice things. Thank you, William. Well, one of us has sold more straight edge merch than anybody in human history. So, let, let, <laughs> so let's defer to All right, him. So I'll talk about it. All right, uh, I, I get, 
I guess we're gonna have to call up uh, Porcel. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say secretly, <laughs> you guys don't know about what about Pat's investments in True Till Death merch. So, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't, guys. I, I say go for it. I, I think it's. Uh, I think it would be super, super cool to not wear like even just rep a shirt that says like Boston Straight Edge and not be Straight Edge, but to wear a shirt that says. I am straight edge and then to actually not be straight edge. That would be that would be fascinating because it would spark a little bit of life into a very boring issue. <laughs> at what at what point during COVID crisis, like what month do we hit where straight edge rules are no longer on for you Pat? <laughs> like where do we get when when you're like all right yeah, beer's the only thing we got in the house. Uh, pass me one. When I'm burning in hell, that's when that's going to no. be happening. <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> These dudes are pass the beer, I, Satan. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Riley hit me and was like, yo, we should just go see Dave Matthews' band. And I was like, I'm in. And he's like, and get fucked up. And I'm like, Let's just give this a few more months, man. I'll see what my answer's in six. You know, <laughs> fuck it. Who cares? Um, all right, let me get it. Tom, do you have any feelings on people wearing straight edge band shirts who are not straight edge? No, not at all. I mean, I wear 108 shirts. I'm not a Krishna. True. That's a good point. Patrick, how do you feel about it? I'm on Depop right now looking for Murphy's Law shirts. So the America Murphy- Rules uh, Murphy's Law shirt is just so good even though like there's several things that i kind of don't agree with on that shirt (laughs) okay (laughs) all right uh this is so long sorry sometimes we get good questions that are long um so all right oh no that one's stupid all right uh man's lost the time okay (laughs) yo yo hold on i here's your update from depop uh there's a, a regulate shirt from it says it's rare. I don't know what year this would have been. Oh, I want to I want to ask the guys because it, it's like top three worst shirts I've ever seen in my fucking life. And it's just got like poorly like MS paint cut versions of of them all in a row, but not in a not in like a uh, a pose that a band could have, like they're all different sizes. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like, like it, it couldn't possibly be a live shot because a they're on top of each other, and b they're all different sizes. <laughs> but it's like the worst shirt I've ever seen. I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> good, good, good uh, supporting bad designs. <laughs> um, all right, we'll just do this one. Uh, Mike Lawson asks, "Do you get a wash slash head massage when you get a haircut? When you get a haircut, not a haircut." Uh, if not, go to a new spot. Life-changing stuff happening in salons these days. So the last time you got a wash or, or a haircut, did you get a head massage? Head massage? Yes. Uh, no. I got an incredibly aggressive head massage. I got my haircut in Cambodia twice. Or no, I got I got a shave <laughs> once and, and a haircut once. And the shave was, took place in a construction site by a guy with a card table. And uh, he get. <laughs> he gave me the most aggressive face massage. Like I thought he was disrespecting me for sure. Like I thought it was like a, a bit because he was basically pun- <laughs> He was basically punching me in my forehead for a solid 30 seconds. <laughs> and, and, and 
I was like, oh, is this cultural or is this dude fucking with me right now? I honestly can't tell. Tom, ever get a head massage when you get a haircut? I can't actually remember the last time I got a haircut because of COVID. Um, but from what I remember... Oh. Oh. Tom muted himself. I'm here. Sorry. From what you remember? From what I remember. So I go to this place in downtown Brooklyn. Um, the guy would always be like, do you want a hot towel? And I'd be like, nah, it's a little weird. No, I'm good. I started doing it. It's amazing. So oh, yeah, he'll put a good. hot towel on you and he does yeah, like great. a full like, you know, like mess. I'm going to tussle your hair. Yeah, it's great. The only thing he does a weird thing that he cleans out my ears with it, which is a little weird. I'm not really totally stoked on no, that. that is a little weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm on the roller coaster. I'm on the roller coaster with that. He wants to clean my ears. We're good. Um, head massage with it. I'm ne- I'm literally never turning that. Now, you have to have smelly hands for me to turn down a head massage. Like they could probably be even a little dirty, and if you're you're good, I'm good. But if your hands smell bad, I'm out. That's yeah. that's the only reason. No smokers, please. Hmm. What about you, Mr. Flynn? Uh, you know, I, these these COVID these COVID times we live in uh, have kind of reminded me of, of you know just being the kind of not neurotic, but I'm not like a hugger. Uh, yes. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I am a handshake before a hugger, uh, yes. and. You know, for years it was like, oh, that's weird. Like, why won't you just give me a hug? And I'm like, ah, you know, it's just not my thing. Uh, yeah, maybe like my, my father was a lieutenant colonel. Uh, uh-huh. And I, I, I'm almost certain that like the, the level of affection that uh, he offered me when I was a child was probably, like, you know, handshake driven. Like, oh, con- congratulations. You can walk uh, type of stuff. Uh, <laughs> but uh I, 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 that, that, that has made me someone who, uh, like would go to a hair salon who like, you know, massage secu- like I would never happen. But when, when I'm offered like, Hey, can we give you a shampoo? It's like this, like terrible existential crisis for me where I'm like, Oh my God. Uh, I don't want to offend you. Oh. And then it's like, wait a minute. Do you think that I need a shampoo right now? Yeah. Uh, it, it's a real moment for me. So usually I, I, I just opt to say like, ah, I'll, what I'll do is I'll just sham- get a, sh- I'll just shampoo my hair before I get my hair cut. So I can just say, oh no, it's okay. I'm in a little bit of a rush. Uh, so if I was offered a, a head massage, uh, that that's definitely not going to happen for sure. <laughs> I got a text from the other room where Amanda said, I literally can't listen to one more question about should people do this thing re straight edge. Good, good job. <laughs> Um, all right, let me get back to the good questions. Um, uh, and or also just statements for us to respond to. Ronald Reagan's chief of staff was named Donald Regan. That's cool. That is true. Well, what's, what's the best style of hash browns? Oh, uh, you know what? I'm going to say that, uh, the incredibly like probably disgusting processed, uh, uh, Fast food one is yeah. pretty fucking great. Yeah, yeah, that they sounds about right. Film, yeah, the, the film is all weird. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Tom, you're you're right on that. I know exactly what you're talking about. It makes the orange juice 
taste strange. Yes, exactly. Like greasy orange juice. <laughs> uh, uh, it's the correct answer. I mean, you know, I like them more than I think you get you run the risk with almost all hash browns of a little them being too greasy, but just give the square, dab it off if you need to. It is we, the film is a thing, but are we talking about like Waffle House too, or is that, are those hash browns? They call them hash browns. Yes, yes. Did you – all right, so as a total aside, sorry, Mike Lawson. Did you read anything up about, like, the the Waffle House, like, indicator that they use for FEMA? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, because it's based on – yeah. Like, if if they're shutting down because of, like, a natural disaster or COVID or whatever, FEMA knows, like, how bad it really is and how much – like they need to hustle and put funding there. Wow, it's a legitimate like <laughs> indicator that they use. Yeah. yeah. Hey, can, can can I ask a question? Go. So, uh, help me out because I don't. Uh, so I I started a bit where, uh, as kind of an effort to give back to the uh, the Patreon in a very roundabout way, because we appreciate the fact that they give us anything. Uh, I was going to every episode. I was going to get on Depop and buy a hardcore shirt from just somebody in hardcore land, right? And uh, I haven't been sticking with the bid enough. Uh, what is shipping on a shirt? Because there's a Murphy's Law shirt that I just attempted to buy, and this fool who is less than three miles away from where I currently live wants ten fifty in shipping. Should be five bucks, four ninety five, and then first handling class. five bucks for handling. Yeah, it's it's first class. You throw in one of the first class mail envelopes, and it's five bucks. Ten fifty, JC forty three forty four. Get your act together. I'd say I say walk to his house, set up a meetup. Yeah, that's good. I can do that. Um, all right. Uh, d- d- the newest branch of our strong military, the United States Space Force. Okay. Have camouflage uniforms. What color should they be? Blue and white. Space camo, like like just like night sky, like stars and shit. Like stars the Orla- and shit. yeah, like ma- or like the Orlando Magic jerseys, just like that, pinstripes. Oh, <laughs> actually, that's a good idea. Just uh, their uniform should be an Orlando Magic's jer- Magic jersey from the year two thousand and three. Yes, like exactly. a penny Hardaway. Everyone get, gets a penny Hardaway. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> there's a guns right rally in Richmond today, which you can see this is old. There's a man with a sign that reads, "Gun control is Jim Crow." Is there anything more laughable than the persecution complex of a 50 year old white man complaining about his gun rights? We can go in on this a little bit, right? Uh. Well, Pat has Pat. I think has uh, reasoned uh, different opinions than, than Patrick uh, K. Uh, on gun rights, yeah. Uh, in turn, like, like, well, are, are we? Are, I'll express my gun rights here. <laughs> do it, let's let, let's let's do it. You're running for office. Ding let's ding. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I got to start from a large context uh you know what 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 is the united states it's a strange uh place uh that is seems to be doing something weird for the larger history of human civilization where people from all around the world are 
working with this, some type of social contract that they can all coexist together in, in, in that context and the re- with that being relatively new for, you know, human history, uh, I don't expect human beings to be like, Oh yeah, let's, we don't have, we don't have anything to be fearful about each other. Um, especially when like, you know, so there's, when people say like the United States is a, uh, like uh, it's a, a group of just like fearful idiots. Um, you know, I, I, you got to put the history of the United States in the context of like larger human history. And uh, now does that mean that everyone should be strapped with a like high powered military style, like rifle that's going to allow you to kill hundreds of people within a span of like a minute or two? Uh, no. But I do think that there's, you know, like more than like more, more reason than not to for people to say, like, you know, I'd, I'd like to keep a gun for security. Uh, it, it's just, you know, the United States is not like other countries uh, where, you know, there's a, a long history of like general like com- communal harmony between uh, folks. So uh I, like, yeah, on that on that level, uh, with all that said, uh, I'm 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 not Mister like no guns for anybody, but uh, you know, I, I just kind of I fail to see the logic of the uh, um like ownership over like the type of weapons that are going to allow you to kill like like 500 people in 10 minutes. That 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 just seems kind of strange. Uh, and if the government does want to, like, you know, completely, you know, overrun and create some, like, weird police state, then I don't think there's going to be much I can do about it anyway with my high-powered military assault rifle to begin with. So, anyway, that, that, that's where I stand. Didn't think we were going to go there. Patrick, where do, you, where do you stand on guns rights? gun rights? Uh, well, firstly, I'm going to purchase a handgun and I'm going to shoot whichever one of you is causing this an irritating feedback that I'm going to have to work through during the editing process. I don't even hear it. Yeah, it, I hear it. it it's uh, it's somebody. I don't know what it is. I can't determine it. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> what's my opinion? My opinion is I uh, I'm not looking for perfect points of comparison when I'm being hyperbolic, and neither is that person that said uh, 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 gun control is Jim Crow. Uh, when people say false equivalence, uh, that is a misleading, idiotic uh, effort to uh, derail a conversation because there's no such thing as a true equivalence. If there was, you would just say the thing that you're talking about. You're making an effort to draw parallels. It's not perfect. So uh, do I think that that's a dumb statement? Uh, I do, but I also think that if that person's point is that it's unjust government overreach without the consent of of, uh, the, the electorate, then, well, <laughs> there's points of comparison. So uh, there's many people who, who uh, took real issue with PETA making the comparison between factory farms and, and the, the uh, mechanisms of the Holocaust. I'm not one of those people because it's not a perfect comparison. It's just a, a thought experiment intended to get you uh, to see the parallels between those things. So is there an excellent chance that that person is a moron? Well, yeah, yes. there's, there's an excellent <laughs> chance. There's an excellent chance. However, probability. yeah, a good probability. However, uh, 
if that person now, the fact that he was white confuses things because if that was a black man, I would, I would say, oh, you know what? This person might now school me on the history of black gun ownership in the United States, in the United States, which is a long history and has uh, elements of it that are not really discussed. And, yes. and uh, you're talking about, uh, uh, so this is the part that nobody wants to hear from me. You're talking about a, 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 a historically marginalized people who don't have a high incentive to trust their government. I can't think of anybody who is more justifiably armed. So, uh, do I think, do I think that this person is likely a moron? I think there's about a 99% chance. Do I think that their comparison is sloppy and inaccurate? Well, it's not perfect, All right. but, but, but that's about where I'm at. All right. So I want to, are either of you guys familiar with, uh, this thing, the next 50 years? No, it was, it was released on November 7th, 1991. The next fifty years. Hey, Johnson. Hey, David. Check this out. Scott. 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 What's happened? What's happened? <laughs> what just happened? Is Pat? Is someone watching porn? David Silver just saw his good friend Scott. Oh. Oh. Wow. Yeah. You know, Bob, uh, I'm glad that you brought that up uh, because that's 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 a real deal issue. Enough said. Am I right? You know, (laughs) I'm just saying, Scotty, I mean, (laughs) it was that that was his name, right? Scott. Scott. Yeah. yeah, He dressed like a cowboy. (laughs) He he dressed like a like a youth crew 88 uh, hardcore kid. Um, I uh, yeah, man. I don't know where to go with this other than the fact that like, you know, Scotty was taken too soon. His character could have developed. I think that I know two one Oh and the writers made a goddamn mistake. And it was, and as a result of like, I don't know if you remember that first season, but every episode is a PSA. And like, that was the, well, we got to give the PSA that guns are bad. So let's just kill off Scotty. Oh my God. How do you think Scotty would have interacted with someone like Ray Pruitt? That would have been an incredible, I an mean, incredible storyline. I think so. Season two is Scotty gets hottie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that dude, that dude's having a really nice senior year bloom. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure if he's, if he's, is it uh, Jenny Garth's character? What is it? Kelly. Kelly. I don't know if it's Kelly. But I think he's by that time he's too good for a Brenda, and like where is he at with Val? Like I think him and Val might vibe right away. Oh so. my God, Scotty and Val, uh, that <laughs> I don't I think that it would have had its own spinoff. <laughs> that's that's what it is. Hey Tom, yes, what is Gabagool? <laughs> Why? Because I'm from Brooklyn. I have to know. What does that make me Italian? I'm Irish. <laughs> Uh, True, but I figured of the four of us, you would have the closest answer. Oh no! I I mean, well, Patrick's the the real Italian. It's some kind of like meat product or something. Is it like it's It's a it's a spiced ham? Right. All right. Um, It's spelled Capicola, but God forbid if you go in and say that, you got to go Gabagool. 
my father is number one gobble ghoul stan in North America. I grew up eating gobble ghoul and brisantine every fucking meal of my life. Uh, it is uh, Jesus. A, are you kidding me? It is oh every day. It is a fatty spiced ham. How different is it than spam? Oh no, I mean oh, it's no no worlds worlds are, worlds are different. Okay, this so it's is, like a real it's a proper ham. Yeah. Oh no, this is like a like a Italian uh, cold cut. Yeah. Yeah. Oh okay. All right. All right. You've um, seen it. You've definitely seen it. Yeah, you've seen you've if you've had a high quality Italian mix, you've eaten it. Okay. Sure. If 23% of the people in the hardcore census claim to listen to country, why hasn't anyone covered Alan Jackson's Chattahoochee? You know what? I'm really glad we get questions as probing and meaningful as these. <laughs> Do we know they haven't? Dude, yeah, that's a good point. Does anyone on this phone call like country or Alan Jackson? No, and I don't even know who that is. It's pretty popular. Uh, Alan Jackson? I would say yes and no. Yeah, same. Alan Jackson is like a, uh, he's like not pop country, but modern country. Is that right? Uh, he like is modern yeah. country of the 90s. So, so Bob, if you want to know, I can answer. He is known for honoring a neo-traditional country musical style. <laughs> Someone's on Wikipedia. Yeah, good wiki. Uh, oh, oh, he does neo-traditional. Yeah, I'm down with that. Also, also, for those of you acting like you've never heard of him just because you've sold out a 9,000 cap, I'll have you know... That Alan Jackson has sold 75 million records and is one of the best-selling artists of all time. That is true. Um, Holy shit. Who, who on this call would be able to pull off the best Florida Georgia line karaoke? Ooh. Do we have to, it's got to be two of us, right? Yeah, I think so. Harmonize. Uh, I'm, I'm going me and Pat Flynn. All right. Yeah, that, uh, me and PK will accurate. take you. Me and PK will we'll challenge it. That's up next time. No have heart reunions this summer. We've got a karaoke gig to get to. Um, <laughs> How many tickets good. do you think we sell for that? Four. <laughs> <laughs> um, top three Duke players based only off NBA success. Ooh, oh, Grand fuck. Hill. Grand yeah. Hill went to Duke, huh? He did. Yeah. He did. He was on uh, on the good Duke teams with Leitner and all, and Bobby Hurley. Um, it's Grant Hill, uh, Kyrie Irving. Yep. And that's a thin list. Uh, not Jay Williams. Um, not, t- 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 I mean, Le- not Leitner. Not no. Leitner. Do you not know Leitner? No, you know Leitner's thing was that he apparently was a pothead. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently, like, just was heavy into weed, and that was his. He he kind of like he started decent. And, and just like trailed off and was kind of just a stoner. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I, I mean, Brand. let's say, let's say Zion already. Fuck it. Elton Brand. Elton Brand's there, but yeah, I mean, Elton Brand was 20 and 10. So yeah, Elton Brand. There we go. Why do we have leap years? Uh, I don't think anybody here is qualified, so I'm just going to say reptilians. Yeah. I, I want to know, Pat <laughs> Flynn. <laughs> Pat Flynn. Yeah, yeah. What did we talk about last time you were here? Did we talk about bold or no? Uh, what, do you, what do you mean here? Like when I was like on X Grind? Uh, yeah. 
Did we talk about bold? So uh, I would like to know if you have strong feelings on bold because I, I threw a lifeline out to a, a guest recently hoping that they would be my backup on this particular issue. And not only did they love bold, but they talked about bold the way that some people talk about rush. So, so give, give me your bold takes. All right. So I'll I'll preface all of this that like, like I understand if someone fucking doesn't like, uh, in like, Sam Triple B doesn't like bold, and uh, like I, I get that you like you can listen to speak out, and you you can you can with a cursory glance you can go like this sucks it's not that good, uh, and then you can hear looking back and just sort of be like oh this kind of sounds like cock rock, like boring, like boring guitar work stuff. Like, I, I think that if, if that's the route you're going to take, I, I totally get it. There are other things to do in this life. However, when, when, you, when you really look, when you think about, when you listen to Speak Out, it, some of that shit just sounds like, 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 it, like the children of the early, like, Paleolithic people, like yes. just banging on drums. And, uh, like, when you think about it, when you think about it like that, which, you know, it's not a good sign if you have to, jump through over all these hurdles to like a band and i completely get that but i find listening to bold fascinating because there's just such like a like a real like you know like dummy caveman uh esque element to it uh like the and, speak and the, out speak out is not breakdown but it's a lot closer than people would want to give it credit for in how right. just rudimentary and kind of primal it is it's it's booming drums and rolling and nothing that seems too complex, but uh, for the right audience, it hits like crazy. Yeah. So, and then the, and then the, the fascinating thing about bold is that like, then they put out looking back, which is like a completely different fucking band. And, you know they they adopt a new uh, guitars. TC comes on comes on the scene, and and the, those songs are, are are they they rip so fucking hard. The song looking back, it's, I, I think it's a perfect hardcore song. Uh, Fact. The, the the lyric like the, the lyrical value is significantly better. It's not great. Li- they're not great lyrics by any standard, but they're significantly better from Speak Out, which isn't exactly saying so much. But they're not shitty, is what I'm saying. Uh, Man, all this talk is making me like just second guess my 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 deep love for Bold, which I uh, but I will say like because I'm realizing like I like a lot of them for a they were like the first like my, my first love of like youth crew hardcore when I was like 14 or 15. So there's a lot of nostalgia there. But with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and while we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling is coming soon from crowd network just search for death of a rock star on your podcast app and subscribe now you know i i, I it's an, it's 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 just a fascinating little quip uh in the history of like the more youth crew era of hardcore and the other thing is like that looking back it is really, I, in my personal opinion, like a founding melodic hardcore record. It, it, to me, it's up there with Verbal Assault's Trial, and uh, I, I just don't think that you have the likes of later uh, melodic acts that uh, I, I've always really just like thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, without without Bold Looking Back or um, Verbal Assault's Trial, but like. I, I completely understand the hatred for bold. A lot of my my questioning of people who like bold, uh, like stems from like you know the the, the t shirtness of of them. They're they're clearly like have become like a, a staple. Like every show has to have like a guy in a bold shirt on the side, um, and that's the problem about the guy in the bold shirt is that he's usually off to the side. Um, usually, not always, but usually. Um, but yeah, I, I've uh, I, I've uh, I've a deep love for for bold but i i make i make no mistake like i understand why people wouldn't like them there, there's a lot to to not like and uh i think that you got to jump into the context yet again to really like them a whole lot and you also have to discover them when you're you know 14 or 15 uh do you hold that same belief for most youth crew as as it is uh self-explanatory and in the name or do you think that I could get turned on the way that some dudes get turned on to death metal when they're fucking 33. Do you think that, do you think uh, somebody could get turned on to youth crew and appreciate youth crew, uh, at an advanced age? Or do you think that it has to be something you were exposed to early? Uh, you could also make a parallel here to spiky punk. Can anybody get into spiky punk as an adult at question for the room? Uh, that, that's a great question. I, I'm, I'm very opinionated on this. So here's the deal. Anybody in the case of youth of today, I think that you could hear them in your thirties for the first time and be like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. But that is largely because my personal opinion, uh, youth of today is offering 
different riffs, specifically on We're Not In This Alone. Their, their riffs are, are different from the standard youth crew act. Whereas Bold, like the likes of Bold, Wide Awake, um, like their, their riffs are, it's like, it's kind of like slowed down interpretations of what Youth of Today was doing on Break Down the Walls. This is, this is my opinion here, take it or leave it. But my big thought is that uh, lyrically, it is very hard to be in your 30s, even having loved that shit, like worshipped that shit. I was kneeling at the altar of of the youth crew. Yes. Uh, and it's very hard in my 30s to hear some of those lyrics. Uh, and I, I'll say again that, like, you know, Ray wasn't, like, entirely devoid of... Uh, of of cheesiness but there are some pretty like you know like lasting uh timeless lyrics that don't really kind of make you feel embarrassed when you when you hear them back uh not again not all of them some of them are quite corny but i would say like a lot a whole lot of the youth crew catalogs uh lyrical content is 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 a little cringe when you're hearing in your in your mid 30s uh and, and I say that as someone who, who worshiped that. So I can't imagine hearing some of that having never loved youth crew. And, you know, it just seems strange to, you know, just sit down and then just throw on, you know, throw on the X marks, the spot comp when, when you're like 38 <laughs> years old. I think looking back is not like an embarrassing, like youthful record. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. That, like I said, very you devoid. could play there for an adult. And be like, okay, this is embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Speak Out is definitely going to be embarrassing for the 38-year-old who's never listened to, to, to youth to me, to me, I think it's, um, there's almost this, the lyrical content, and like, let's spade a spade. The lyrical content of a lot of hardcore, not all, and I don't want to say most even, but a lot, is pretty simple. And that's... Mm-hmm the intent and that's kind of cool and that's sort of the beauty of it and like you know i'll also say to me there's good simple and bad simple and every fucking variety in between but at the end of the day the youth crew stuff had a little bit more like um it was a little bit more hearing someone tell you the way to live and every second of my life past the age of 22 (laughs) <laughs> was a second where I wanted someone to tell me how to live less and less and less. Right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so, so that's, that's a hard part. And I think Patrick, I don't, I don't take you as a guy who, who has in your adulthood appreciated being told how you should be living very much. Is that correct? Uh, you could call it triggering. <laughs> however, now, 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 however, though, and I think this is probably true for all four, adults on this phone call in your teen years and maybe it's from different points for the all four of us some of these bands that we're talking about you know for for a few of us maybe it's the youth of today's and and grill biscuits or whoever and for others maybe it's earth crisis or 108 etc but there were some of these songs that informed the way to live and the way to think that here we are and you're still got some of those messages in your head oh sure um, so so what was that i mean patrick I, i'd like for you to to speak on this because 
you know, like, do you think that the not adherence, but the way you were able to easily accept some of these ideas and how it kind of lined up with you as an individual, but then years later, like, you're not going to hear those things. You're not going to hear people being like, here's what you should be doing the same way, even six years later. Yeah, that that's an absolute fact. Uh, I love, uh, you know, I, I to, to, even down to minor threat, you got people uh, at, at least uh, sneak, sneak suggesting how you should fucking go about your day. Uh, and, and I love, I love that. I uh, love Earth Crisis. I love 108. Um, these Wait, are did all. This motherfucker put out a record that gave you instructions on how to listen to it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm just trying to maximize your pleasure. Wait a goddamn minute. All right, I appreciate it. <laughs> so, so uh, I love those acts. And uh, to be honest, in in uh, in 2020, I think I would be very open to some divergent. Uh, opinions about how to live. Like if there was something that was like so left field, like, like forced race mixing or so, you know what I mean? Like something that was just like, so like, so like, Oh, wow. like, like, yeah, if it was like, we have to breed out race. So, so nobody's allowed to be with their own race. Like if, so, if, if I heard some hardcore band that took that track, I'd be like, this is compelling. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because wow. I would, I would that definitely making the notes for this episode. Wow. <laughs> Well, because the point is that I'm not, as an adult, I don't got to agree with anything at all, but there is like a certain, like, here's what I don't appreciate. Like I would not appreciate earth crisis right now. Uh, if they entered my life, not because I don't appreciate their, their vantage and, and their sort of what they're singing about. It's because it is highly didactic. It's obviously somebody trying to teach you and, uh, if it was just, if I could listen to something and it was just strong opinions throughout, like almost, even if they were insane, like literally bet the more insane, the better, to be honest. Like, okay. Um, uh, what, what's the, uh, 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 here's the, here's collective. Yes. So, uh, there is like these sentiments on it that, uh, are either, uh, sincere and coming from the angriest place imaginable or, or hyperbolic. Uh, and made to, uh, and intended to make you think. Right. And, uh, I don't care which one of those it is. And I, and if I pick up their next record and it's a step further and it's into the realm of actual milit militantism or, 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 or like violent extremism, I still won't mind. You know what I mean? And uh, part of that is that, uh, I don't mind intense viewpoints. Uh, I do mind as soon as it is an unfun lecturing tone. So, so, uh, I think that the youth crew has that tone certainly at times. Um, but not always. And, and I bet that there's youth crew acts that are just singing about their bullshit ass lives as fucking teenagers, uh, that don't come off, uh, didactic, but <laughs> the bullshit but, <laughs> ass lives of teenagers. Hardcore, nineteen eighty-five <laughs> to two thousand twenty. <laughs> I had. Go on. What were you gonna say? No, uh, I, I, I think I like kind of remember the moment where I was like, so I was, where I was like, you know what? Like, I, lyrically, I just like. Well, hold on, I'm, Pat. What, somebody's now playing the spoons. What's that? Somebody was just spoons? playing the spoons over this shit, and I was getting more feedback. Is, is everybody all right? Is anybody? Is anybody? Uh, playing any sort of instrument. The spoon man <laughs> entered the chat. What was yeah? The what spoon are we doing? man entered the chat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back to normal. Thank you. Um, 
I remember when I made that transition to like re, 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 like explicitly realizing that like I'm not really interested in writing like lyrics that are like overtly going to offer you some type of new way of of life. I, like, and I remember it was this kid, uh, this guy uh, Jared. He was from Boston. Uh, do you remember O O J? Yeah. Jared, Jared Jared o. Yeah. Oh, Jared o. Yeah, yeah. He was on the Bridge Nine board. I remember. Uh, Pat, you might remember him. Um, but they're, uh, they're, they went to the same Bridge Nine board Hall of Fame commencement speech. I think they were in the <laughs> class of 2011. <laughs> First ballot. <Yeah>. Uh, he, <laughs> he had, we, we had just played the, um, it was like the, the first, last Guns Up show. And uh, it was a good set. And I remember Jared said something. I think he said it on the Bridge Nine board. I remember reading it being like, huh. I was 19 at the time, too. And he goes, you know, normally I don't like bands with names that tell me what to do, but that Have Heart set was great. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like, what did he mean by that? Because I came up with the name along the lines of, like, oh, like, n- not as a directive, like, you should have heart, but just, like, oh, th- I actually came up with the name for the band when I saw, like, an image of the guitar player of my old band and i was like oh a good name for this record with him on the cover would be have heart because in this moment he has heart that was like that was the thinking it wasn't like this like hey you need to be a more compassionate or empathic person or or something along those lines but i remember him saying that and being like 18 or 19 just being like yeah i mean like what the fuck do i know i'm 19 and who the hell wants my advice? And, uh, but at the same time, you know, like some lyrical content from the likes of the youth crew elders, uh, was pretty meaningful for a 15 year old, but for, for some, right. some reason, I just like kind of past that point. I, I could be wrong, but I don't think I, I like, I think I've like consistently strayed away from the directive line of lyric writing. It's just, it, it just doesn't really, it does it seems weird even in my like at my age now like as a history teacher like i'm 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 offering young people like you know like instruction on on how to think about like history according to like you know certain criteria for of historical thinking and and how to you know like strategies for writing more persuasive essays I, when when you get into the business of telling folks how to live oh my god like especially if you're a teacher and in that setting yeah um so like it, 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 it's, it's i just don't to answer your question I, I really don't think that you can like the majority of youth crew hardcore like if you're just hearing it for the first time i i would imagine most like bold heads like have that like very youthful early adolescent experience of discovering bold uh, as opposed to like finding it in your 20s. 100%. I think, I mean, yeah, like you might be able to appreciate some of the guitar stuff. Looking back is an an outlier because it's kind of halfway outside of the youth crew thing Um, because, you know, it's their expansion. They're starting to go places. It's like the same thing, you know, if somebody like, okay, this is an example because being a fan of the genre. Let's say you had a blind spot and didn't hear Gorilla Biscuits start today until you were 28 years old. 
but you liked punk and hardcore. Do you think you could, you would appreciate it? No. no. Tom? No, I don't think so. Patrick? A- ask me that question again. If you, for whatever reasons, blind spot, missed out on Gorilla Biscuits start today. Okay. Um, and heard it when you were 28. Yep. Would you, could you appreciate it? But you're still a hardcore kid? Yeah, like, like yeah, you've, for you've, whatever you've, reasons. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. You know, pr- I think you could appreciate it, but it doesn't like, like almost all that stuff was, was time, place, age. And I mean, I think that's kind of where it should be. And I don't say that with any derision. I think Start Today is fantastic. And it's a little bit, it's like the step out. It's not, it isn't as um, in, instructive, let's say, as some of the other records we're talking about or passing judgment in the same way. But it still has a little bit of that. It's obviously got a much poppier sensibility than, than a lot of the other records we're discussing. Patrick, what was your answer? Uh, I'm going to say possibly, which is not very committal, but I'm going to ask a, a, a question of the room now because you got me thinking. And this is only this is only going to be fun if people have answers quick. So 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 once everybody else starts going, you got to go. Tom, Pat, Bob is the order. Okay. okay. Um, wow. <laughs> what is a what is a record? from a genre that uh, really requires you to get in young that you believe on its own merits could be loved by anyone at any age, getting into it. Wait, wait, say say it again. So you have to. So a genre that is like, let's say, let's say uh, epitaph punk, right? Mm -hmm. What is the epitaph? And that's associated with people of a certain age. And if you weren't exposed to it at that age, then you may not like it for the remainder of your life. What I'm asking is which album or band transcends that and transcends genre so that you could be 28 with no prior experience and appreciate it. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to go age of quarrel. Yeah. It, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. <sighs> Fuck. I, I labor way too intensively on on these types of questions. <laughs> I like the. I, I want That's cool. I I, I want to get this right. So, it, like, you're you asking me because I'm a little confused. Are you asking what genre? No, or, no, like, no, no. Pick a band. I, I, you pick you pick the genre that is associated with with being a kid. Like, for example, here here's one. I believe Threefold Misery uh, could pull could resonate with a 28 year old who had no interest in 90s metal influenced hardcore. I believe that they could hear that and yeah, okay. find find merit in it now up to you which genre you choose whether that's youth crew uh uh fat 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 punk you know i mean whatever it is locking out what any little stadium cross anything um i'll i'll say uh iron age constant struggle oh that's a good pick my my Hmm. initial was going to be minor threat out of step and i picked that specifically over the seven inches even though i like the seven inches more because i was like i think this could be appreciated by any age Whereas maybe, maybe fillers too much for someone who's just yeah. not, you know, um, but I, but we, we, we talk about, <laughs> we're going to make a shirt that just has a picture of a 108 record, a Chromax record and a fucking minor threat record. And that's just what we talk about. So, you know, I, I think constant struggle is a, a good, and another example I'd give is ink and dagger. The drive oh, yeah. good I call. that could be appreciated. Transcend, man. 
ah, fuck. Like, I, I think my interpretation, the problem with having is I'm interpreting this as, like, someone, like, like w- what is most, like, accessible to, like, a norm, to a norm. Well, uh, hold on, Pat. I'm think make not it- normal. Think, like, uh, a person, like... Hold on, I'm gonna make, the genre. Go ahead. I'm gonna put Pat super. I'm gonna put Pat super on the spot. By by, I'm gonna say the genre. You give me something that you think transcends. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with Epitaph Punk. Go. Uh, suffer bad religion. Okay, perfect answer. Perfect. Uh, give me Stadium Crust. Go. Stadium, stadium crust. Well, yeah, it does, that's too specific. Give me. Give uh, me I mean, cr- tragedy self-titled is the answer. Yeah. Okay, that would be uh, great. Okay. That's the answer. That's the literal answer. Um, okay. Now give me um, youth crew. Uh, uh, GB. Yeah, they 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 have to be the one that transcends. Yeah. Okay. It, uh, it's even strange that they're even a youth crew band. It, all, all this. It's so weird because the whole time I was talking about bold, I was really talking about speak out. And to Tom's yeah. point. Like looking back, it's just it's a completely different fucking band. And I would be happy to have like my coworkers walk into my classroom and have me yes. listening to looking back because they'd be like, Oh, yeah, this dude kind of likes the heavier stuff, but he's not fucking weird. You know what I mean? If if you <laughs> if you are in a room and other adults who are not into hardcore, and maybe even if they are into hardcore but aren't into bold, see you listening to bold as an adult, they might go, Wait, what are you doing? This is weird. Like, th- I, is this a home recording? What's going on here? Sure. Yeah, but specif- this, we got to be specific here. If they were walking to the room and I'm listening to Speak Out, they're going to be yes, like, what correct, the correct. fuck speak out. you doing? Yeah, um, right. Maybe you have like running like thieves on. People are like, this is okay. No, so yeah. I, I think that's interesting because it's like, look, there's a line in time frame. No one talks about Shelter as a youth crew band, but they're all dudes essentially from the youth crew. No one talks about Into Another as a youth crew band, (laughs) but that's Richie, and Richie was in Youth of Today, and it's Drew, Drew, and that dude was in, you know what I mean? So it's like, looking back, Bold is a bridge from the youth, the like, speak out, fucking, we're not alone, break down the walls, GB7 inch youth crew, and where all those dudes ended up. Nobody talks about quicksand. Nobody's like, you know, youth crew bands like into another and quicksand and, and late era bold. Um, so that's the thing. Looking back, it isn't post hardcore, but it's nudging that way in a way. So by the time people are hearing this, the, uh, record, the extra grind record club this week is bold looking back. So it's cool. Patrick, thank you for bringing up bold so much. Um, <laughs> Yo, it's so against my conscience, but I just, uh, you know, I'm trying to be, uh, uh, magnanimous about a band. I don't like Pat, yeah, no. Can I, can I, can I push you a little bit? Like I got to Like wh- why, why do you think you don't like bold so much? Okay. So in fairness, everybody keeps talking about looking back and, and I'm it, clearly, if there's such a dividing line, if this is like, um, the early the early trial record to the to uh, uh, what's are these our lives uh, to the, to our, uh, are these our lives that's sure. that's such a radical departure yeah. that maybe maybe that's what's taking place here and I, I'm just conflating all bold you know what I mean that's very possible uh, but my experience with bold is this is the band that I would reach for if I wanted to give somebody the platonic ideal of a genre I don't like. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if, if I wanted to show you exactly what a thing was 
that I have no interest in, that I happen to have no interest in. It wasn't an angle where I was trying to get you to be disinterested. But if somebody was like, what's Youth Crew? I would reach for the bold record and say, God bless. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 would, I would say, listen to it on headphones because I don't want to. You know what I mean? So, Yo, uh, and, and you know what? To that argument for this, this is maybe the best sell we can do for looking back is that the bold seven inch slash the bold looking back, the later session is the absolute last record by a band of that world that you would give someone to go, Oh, you're interested in youth crew here. Check this out. Like, yeah. Oh, you, you want to know what youth crew is here? Listen to this because it's, it's, it's as close. Like it sonically is closer to the quicksand seven inch than it is to speak out. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's, it yeah. sounds like I got to revisit it, but I hated this shit when I was a kid. I hated it. I, that, uh, that's so like why like it, it, like were you like so you're a little bit older than me and like so i start going to shows in like 99 and like by that point like i'm gonna completely just generalize you right now pat I, like like i'm gonna associate you with like the kind of hard line like loser looking earth crisis kids at shows in, in 1999. Accurate. Like, like <laughs> cause, cause like, and I'll, I'll like, I remember some of those dudes at shows and not, I don't think that you were, you know, like, you know, ripping cheeseburgers out of people's hands, but like, like I remember those guys, there was just select few of them. I can, I can picture them in my mind right now, but I remember them like, like hating, like, like the late the late nineties youth crew revival because it it seemed like almost it was a replacement of the mid nineties uh, heavier more Earth Crisis stuff. Oh and so yeah. My and like and I'm just curious because like the revival the youth crew revival was a revival of bands like Bolt. So how much of the youth crew revival impacts your your uh, your your standing on Bold in 2020? Oh, probably, probably a great deal. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and you know, mysterious guy, hardcore, I I'm serious guy, hardcore, uh, where, yeah. where, where I like, uh, for me, the stuff that was really impactful when I was a kid was the most extreme stuff I could find. Not sonically mm -hmm. because, uh, like it wasn't like I was listening to napalm death when I was fucking 16, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but messaging. Uh, messages yeah the messaging of the thing the more extreme the better like that's why as an adult i have more interest in crust than i ever did as a kid uh because sonically it wasn't my thing but now i appreciate it in in, in large measure because of, because of some of the messaging but mm -hmm. i i uh i like extreme messaging uh cuz even stuff that has like highly melodic tendencies uh like shelter when you cut to the core of it like yo there's some fucking adamant positions being taken here yeah yeah. And about the nature of reality, which is like uh, all the more interesting. But the uh, but here's my point is is uh, I like the stuff that that was uh, totally disagreeable and couldn't be presented to a, to reasonable adults. And mm -hmm. uh, I, it, the youth crew stuff felt outmoded and feckless to me by that time, even though I. I I really loved Minor Threat. Really loved Seven Seconds. These are not extreme bands in any meaningful way, uh, but for uh, the older, or I would say not the older I got, but like leaving my teens into my twenties, I just wanted the most aggressive sentiments that I could get, and there was nothing in Youth Crew that did that for me. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. See, I I came to it all. 
I always think that like the moment I started going to shows is really strange because my first show was about like um, July 1999. That's it was in July of 1999, and then about two or three months later, Ten Yard Fight breaks up, uh, and then a year later, in my eyes, breaks up. And that, that whole thing just washed away. So I had like a over romanticized idea of something that that I missed. But I also, what that meant was like, I also thought that like that whole late nineties youth crew revival stuff was completely down and cool with like bands like one Oh eight. And a lot of that was because like, I was like, Oh, like, like, uh, like a lot of that was because I was like, Oh, you know, like mouthpiece was heavy and you know, Tim McMahon like rolled with the floor punch crew, you know, like, and like he was in hands tied. So like, of course that like the later, kind of like less position taking oriented bands uh were just totally cool because they're also the other thing is like everyone seemed everyone was vegetarian and, and it, or, or or vegan in the late 90s and i just thought oh well of course they, they were cool with bands like earth Race. little did i know that like uh, that there there wasn't a lot of love between the, those generations uh, and I, I would imagine in the late nineties, a lot of that was a bite. Back. And I, not that I imagine, I, like I know it was from what I read is that like, you know, the late nineties youth crew stuff was, was a response to the, the kind of a, aggressive position taking, uh, of the mid nineties. Yeah. And j- j- just as yeah, I think, 100%. just as I think some of the, like the locking out stuff was potentially a response to some of the more like, uh, uh, self serious, intense poet, uh, material American that, nightmare stuff. Yeah, yes. th- that happened immediately after that. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, as far as youth crew stuff that transcends, uh, apparently I got to listen to looking back more. I don't think you're going to like it though. I'm going to put 20 bucks on this. You're, you're, <laughs> oh, yo, all right. Uh, Tom, I, w- would you take that bet or not? Nah? No, I think I'm with Pat. I think he's going to hate it. I don't think I don't you're going to hate admit it. liking it even if, if he did. That's I don't my think, concern. Oh, no, I, I'd, cop, I'd cop to it for sure. I, I would right. cop to it. So here's the, here's the deal. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, Pat Flynn, I'll give you the 20 bucks. Let's do it. Okay. okay. All, right. All right. So so do we want to do it on like a rating scale? So oh, wow. it's like 1 mm. to 100. Like if he says, I'd give it a 52, um, Bob wins. But if he gives it like a 48, Pat wins. I think it should I, be. So Would, something you measurable? tell me this. You tell me this. My threshold for it can't be eh, not bad. I think that means he doesn't like it. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't cross the threshold. But huh, much better than I thought. I would listen to it again. That means good enough. Yeah, would okay. listen to it, would listen to it again would be big. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, so. Uh, do I think I that's le- the that's the threshold, right? There. Yeah, that that's not going to happen. Straight up, no. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm excited to hear it. Oh, see, I don't don't poison the well on your side because nothing, you know I, I'll, nothing I'll, this dude likes to be, do more than be a contrarian. So. Uh, yeah, but but Bob, here here's so it, that's balanced right now though because I know it's c- bold because <laughs> c- Pat's saying I won't is I won't listen to it again is counterbalanced by the fact that Tom Capone is a, a self-described <laughs> self-described Satanist in a scene where that was never cool and uh, has uh, like is an interesting figure because he's got his own struggles. And uh, that makes the band all the more compelling for me. Like, you, like what was yeah. Tom, 
what was Tom's orientation at the time? Was he describing himself as a Satanist? He okay. So on the Bold Youth of Today tours, he brought the the Church of Satan, like the Bible, right? Oh, the he Satanic did. Bible <laughs> with him, um, and apparently got uh, more than a little flack and guff for that. Okay, so <laughs> so here's what I'm saying: Tom Capone, an American original, makes me makes me want to like the band. Uh, so I, I, I at least am more open than you, than I think people anticipate. Uh, yeah. Like see, and that's where that's, I, I think we're getting closer and closer to the interesting nature of bold and why like bold heads are like, like true bold heads, not the guy in the side who actually doesn't listen to bold, but likes the shirt. But like, like they're like, I, a lot of it comes down to like Tom Capone and his interruption in, in, in the very short lived history of that band. Like, he, he joins that band coming out of beyond. Uh, he was in beyond, right? I got yes. Yeah. 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 Him and and Vic. Be, yeah. Like, you know, like he, he's, he's coming out of a band of having played with Vic Dakara. Like that's, that's an experience. And, and like, yes. and just the sound alters the whole band, like, like entirely. Uh, so like, but then, you know, but then there's a little worry of like, you know, kind of blowing things out of proportion, but nonetheless, I, I think that there's, there's a chance, but also like, I, I just think that you might not really find it very compelling at. So um, you're at, saying at, there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sending this photo to our chat right now. It's the back cover of the bold seven inch, which has a very uh, great, like uh, not quite Olin Mills, but very in that vibe of in the studio. And Tom is wearing the best, like, jester T-shirt. So uh, you can catch the vibe. Shaking some nails <laughs> loose. Um, so, uh, we, you know, we're starting to go long in the tooth, but we haven't. it seems like we could probably do this for another three hours, which we are not going to do. Um, since I got all three of you on the line, it's something that we talked about with the lyrical content of some of the, the you know, more instructive youth group stuff. And it made me think about how people respond to lyrics. Um, I think all three of you have experiences with that. Is there anything that you've done? And I'd like to hear from all three of you. Any song that, you know, you've been a part of or that you wrote that the way people responded to it or, you know, specific comments have come up to you that really struck you in a different way. Cause I think, you know, I think probably all three of you have had lots of that moment of like, Hey, this song means a lot to me. Um, but I, I wondered if you guys could talk about it, if there's one that's like, huh, I didn't expect that or, or that, or hmm, they, they took this completely the opposite of what I would have thought they would have. Uh, I'm just going to say that Pat is actually one of uh, the people most responsible for gassing me up uh, lyrically. Oh, 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 yeah, oh yeah. I'm a big. Hey, I, I'm a fan, man. I, I, I've appreciated the the lyrical prowess for uh, for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, uh, r- r- put a pin in that. Uh, uh, not about. Your <laughs> <laughs> so boy's down, been getting like... beat up on the last few episodes, so he he needs a little gassing up. No, 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 not about, not, not about me, actually, uh, a broader question, but, um, <clears throat> so, uh, I, I'm always flattered when people that I, uh, that I respect, uh, uh, admire what I do. I think that that's really nice. I, I've got a confrontational thing on this where like, I've always maintained that there's nobody that can knock me out of my shit. Like if I heard that somebody that I truly 
admired in a big, big way, hated my material. It wouldn't matter to me at all. And I still think that, but it is really nice when somebody that you admire does like your material. So, uh, I'm always, I'm, I'm always happy for that when somebody comes with that energy, if it's somebody whose work that I know, um, regarding people saying things that are like, uh, a little disarming or whatever. Well, uh, and, and especially if you can think of it being a specific, and I know your memory is what it is, but you know, yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, I yeah, got, I, I, I got a, a real like wrong interpretation that I was like, Oh, weird. Um, so, uh, that kind of stands out to me. I've all like, I've, I've never, I've never gone on the public record and mentioned it, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, and before I go any further, I'm completely glad that people interpret songs the way that they want to. I think that that's the way it should be. I'm, yes. but I'm, I'm simultaneously like, I also cannot stand it when, when lyricists are like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell people what, what the song is about because I want people to have the opportunity to just make up their own interpretation. To me, that sounds like, uh, you actually wrote a bunch of nonsense and, uh, you actually couldn't, like really conjure any real writing skills so fuck you we know that the song now is not about anything you right suck. the rorschach test so, how about you tell yeah, me what you see yeah yeah yeah, yeah why yeah, don't exactly. you just tell me which movie you'd like <laughs> right. to see <laughs> two weeks so, in a like, row <laughs> yeah so like no. I, like i kind of like it when lyricists are like no the song's about this <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't destroy anything for me uh like if if anything it's it just adds more life to it but uh, it, it doesn't change how I'm going to interpret a song as meaningful to me. But, you know, so having said that, like, uh, if anyone has, I've seen tattoos of this, it, it, like, you know, don't run to the like, laser tattoo removal shop after I say this, but like, <laughs> uh, in the, in the song, watch me rise, which, which always went over pretty well with, with, with the kids. Uh, there's a line. <laughs> That says "Born this way, die this way." That was later, later co-opted by Lady Gaga, if I will. Um, mm, but, um, yeah. uh, like, so that was actually um, like that. If you re- look at the lyrics, which you know people don't really do anymore, but um, if you look at the lyrics, that, that that's actually in quotations. So, like, the, the first verse of that song is really from the perspective of like a frustrated person. Um, and the the lyrical line "Born this way, die this way" is is like kind of like a like it's it's to be interpreted as like a ah yes. shit like I'm born this way and I'm so frustrated that I'm gonna die this way and yeah, in I, I right right and and you know the rest of the song is really kind of like a movement against that mentality that one cannot progress in their own life um, but. Uh, a lot of people interpreted that as like, fuck you. I'm never changing. I I'm born this way. And I'm sure shit going to fucking die this way. And I remember being like, huh, I did not write it that way. Uh, but I'm glad that you have found some type of meaning in, in, in this. And if that brings you joy then all, all the better. But I remember just being like, that, that is a very like, like very wrong interpretation from, from my end. But I, I came to like, when people told me how they perceived it, I remember being like, Oh, that, that's pretty cool. It's a little moment for you to kind of re reassert your, your likeness for your yourself. But like, uh, uh, anyway, that, that, that's an example, uh, that I, that has always wow. stood out to me. All right. I have two questions. Can I interrupt before we Please. go on to, 
So, Pat, this may be a little bit too inside baseball, but I'm like, I love Easter eggs on records and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So the beginning of that song, is that anything based on uh, the Raina Maria song, Tinfoil? No. No. Okay. No. but Literally, hey, wanna... the beginnings are exactly the same. Huh. Are they? Like, like, like musically or lyrically? No, no, or... no. Like, it literally starts with the drum thing, and she, the, the singer from Raina Maria says, God damn it. Uh, dude, I, you want to know something? All right, here's interesting. I got two two things for you one i love easter eggs too uh and i I love only seeking them out when i was in college i read this this book called fortunate son about this guy whose legs were blown off during the vietnam war and then he came back and it's apparently about his life post vietnam war uh and then he eventually kills himself um and i remember reading that story being like man this is reminding me the lyrics to landmine spring so then like Havart eventually got to uh, do some gigs with uh, GB on their their first like like European right. reunion tour, and I was so like pumped because like you know I had never met Walter before. I was like he was like you know this mythical godlike figure, and I worked up the nerve to ask him about that, and I was like, dude, is Landmine Spring based off of Fortunate Son? And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> full stop. Full stop. Nope. Just just full stop. And I was like, oh fuck. And he goes. But I, but let me tell you, man, I love some some CCR. <laughs> like, Amazing. And I was like, and I was like, all right, cool. That that conversation did not land as I uh, intended it to. So I'm with you on the Easter egg hunts. And uh, now, but uh, I don't even I don't know who Raina Maria is. Uh, and I will tell you that the use of the word God, goddamn, and Bob, you might appreciate this, is actually was inspired by. A ten-yard fight song on um, the only way yeah. when he says, "God damn, maybe it's me." I remember hearing that, being like, "Damn, the only one." Yeah. yeah, like being like, "Damn, Wrench is really feeling it right now." I remember just thinking, like, "God damn" is a great fucking like word to use in the context of a song because it just it's so universally it's such a universal symbol of just frustration and it's underutilized. Uh, yeah. Definitely underutilized. Uh, Pat, you, uh, we we had similar Easter eggs about a year apart uh, mm-hmm. because the last self-defense LP uh, is peppered with Blood Meridian uh, references. Ooh. And then you put out a record uh, uh, with Wolf Whistle that was all, like <sighs> a, very, a very overt Blood Meridian uh, oh, reference. Oh, yeah. But, well, uh, and Bl- Blood Meridian, which is a reference to Moby Dick or the whale, uh, um like so, I, I was going for a little bit of like here and there, uh, Blood Meridian, uh, Moby Dick stuff in, in that. N- nothing profound. Uh, let's be clear of that, but, but no, yeah. nothing profound ever. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I so there's some Blood Meridian in the in the last self defense record. Yeah, all over. Okay, and in, 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 have you considered punk music? Yep. Really? Okay, I'm, I'm going to revisit. Mm. Better, better, better find find some lyrics about babies getting eaten. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, there's a there's a there's a lot of throwing babies down wells and etc. Uh, <laughs> so Tom, did did you have uh, a, an experience? So Tom, you are actually in a very weird position because, uh, as you've pointed out, Indecision is known as that anti-religion band when in fact that's like a small portion of the l- lyrical content. And, sure. 
and you also have a song that is hardcore iconic because of its coda or because of its, I guess you're, I don't even know. It's not a verse or it's not a chorus rather. It's, I have no idea what, yeah, I would have no idea what you call that, but, but, uh, but it's iconic for that reason. And it can be isolated from what the remainder of the song is about, which has happened to you at least a dozen times. And, uh, so that's like, I, I can't imagine how many like highly personal conversations you have where you just have to look at the person and go, that's dope. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's when Bob asked the question, that's the first thing that popped into my head. And I was kind of like, oh, that's like part of like an anti-religion thing. But like now it's a love song. So that's cool. (laughs) It's like, love your friends, love your family. That's awesome. But that's totally that's only half the line. But cool. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't let me disabuse you of that notion. If that's what it works, that's what works for you. But like, it's really about, you know, no one's ever no one's ever like, you know, like gleefully told told you that they killed a priest or anything no like that, unfortunately you know? not we they used to steal like christmas like christmas ornaments and stuff off of people's like lawns that was like the big thing but, oh wow yeah, <laughs> no one's no murder thankfully tom, tom, tom real quick like sure. I, i'm of the like I, I love getting like existing in like a, a total misbelief about certain developments in hardcore only to have them completely shattered and have to accept some like incredibly mundane and like boring explanation for how things really developed. Sure. Um, so like that being said, like uh, one example would be, um, I was always of the belief that Swizz was uh, a band designed solely uh, based on the hatred of Brian Baker. I just, I, I, I just made up this like lie in my head that, you know, uh, after uh, Sean Brown left uh, Dag Nasty or right. was he kicked just out just or that right. it was like don't patronize with apologies yeah you yeah son of a bitch like, like i i interpreted that as like 15 or 16 being like sean brown fucking hates brian baker yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then uh sweet jesus uh, did a did a gig at like a salad day screening and, and sean brown uh he sings on one of the sweet jesus songs and he and uh uh and we uh, we played some swiss songs with him this is before swiss did um Oh wow! Uh, the reunion gigs. It was. It was. Right. It, was it was. It was cool. It was real fun. Sean's a great guy, but like, uh, we like the show had happened so that we watched uh, Salad Days, and and I, I thought Brian Baker, like you know, came off as like a like a classic kind of kind of dick in the documentary. Uh, right. And and I, I had said like something you know uh, at the beginning of the set, uh, like along the lines of like, like just like i wasn't like you know like shit talking brian baker but i was like oh you know blah 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 blah, classic dick uh brian baker and i I kind of said it with the confidence that like you know i'm in the presence of some of a guy who fucking hates brian baker he's gonna agree with me he's gonna yeah yeah like and and it wasn't like i was trying to start like some shit talk session on brian baker just because i like uh sean brown's i was just like oh you know whatever uh but then uh, so when we went, I, I got off the stage and, and Sean sang the Swiss songs with us and uh, uh, Brian, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Sean had said something like, he, like he, he said something like, oh, you know, I just be clear. Like, Brian's like a really great guy. He's an old friend of mine. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that seems like it would have been a fun show for you for about 15 minutes right there. Yeah. 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 Holy <laughs> shit. But, but, um, but Pat. I've written diss songs about people that I would be happy to hang out with right now because oh, time he- right. time heals all wounds, you know. Totally. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
true, 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 true. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind for my, my, my personal mythology. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, one, one like mythological story I have in my head is like, uh, it has a lot to do with like the nature of like, uh, hardcore in, in the South and, and, and the role of indecision. So like when, when have our, like first toured down, uh, until in, in, in the Atlanta scene, Right. And in, in parts of Florida, I remember being like, holy shit, these kids fucking hate God. Like, I remember just being like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this is so like excessively pronounced here. And I remember like, cause like, and I remember being like up North, we're just sort of like, oh God forgot about us and uh, whatever, <laughs> moving on, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and like, uh, but I went down, like down there and I was, I was, I was kind of blown apart and like, it was all the foundation guys. And I remember just being like, what the fuck? Like, how, how do you, like, what's the, where is this coming from? And, and then that's how I like was introduced to indecision. And in my mind, I had, and I know that Matt, you know, uh, lives in, does he still live in Atlanta? Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so like, and I remember like him being down there, I'm like, oh yeah, he was, he was part of, he was kind of part of that scene. And so what I've built over time and I, I've talked. I haven't talked to champ about this in a long time or any of the foundation guys, but like, like I I'm, I'm always so curious. Like, like did, did indecision or, and, and MPB, like did, did that like really take off in the South or like, did, was there something that happened with like, like your role in the South that just like opened the eyes of like the Southern, like, like youth of like, southern hardcore youth and say like listen god is evil or something like right, that right. just like what what is like do you know the the causality of that and like right, what is right. like the role of uh, of of you and 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 most precious blood and indecision is there is there any relationship that i think there is right i don't know if it was like a perfect storm kind of like there were young kids that were like because it's funny, like like you say, like the, I always like describe all of us up here as like the god godless northerners. It's just like religion's not that big of a deal. It's like the hugest deal, but it doesn't matter. But like friends of mine from like you know my buddy Brian from Memphis and all these different folks are like, dude, this is every day. Like you're we're dealing with this like oppressive like Christian regime like every single day. So I think when, you know, as a younger kids, like, like Champ and those dudes when they were probably teenagers, like it kind of, we came along when they were looking for something that kind of reflected with what their experiences were. And it just mm -hmm. so happened that it kind of worked out that way. Like, I don't think it was, I don't know if we like, like led, led the army, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think it was just kind of like a perfect, like they were looking to like chokehold and stuff. And then, yeah. you know, but were, and then. were there any like. I mean, I, I, I find the, the history of, like, the Atlanta scene really interesting. But, like, w were there any, like, atheistic bands, like, preceding the likes of, like, Indecision? Like, were there any, like, like popular Atlanta, like, atheistic bands that, like, huh. that preceded them? Like, preceded right. That's a guys? weird, good question. Huh. I've never, I don't, not that I know of, Tom, but you would know better than me, for sure. Yeah, I mean, nothing that, like. I'm sure there is, and like Champ, we're gonna get a text message from Champ in two weeks and be like, "Dude, how did you miss? You know, the 14 bands." But there was like, there's a band called Active Faith, but I don't know what their stand yeah, was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I know that they're a big deal for for them. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in terms, I don't know of any other bands down there. And like, we kind of um, had like early on got to be friends with th- that dude, Jeff Jock, mm-hmm. that kind of like was like the head of the scene down there for a long time. And like, yeah. we play like, we literally, he, he'd live in one house and he, there would be an abandoned house next door. So like, we would go and like set up in the abandoned house and have shows there. Sick. Yeah, so it was kind of like I, mean, I think it was it was more of a perfect storm than us being any type of like spearhead to kind of like kids like throwing you know I mean I, and I think it kind of especially most pressure blood and stuff it got even more confrontational because uh-huh. I think with indecision it was sort of like we were kind of in our own like atheist ghetto but I think like with MPB <laughs> we were playing like other like other shows and stuff and like we talked about this one day about like like we played Furnace Fest and it was legitimately like. Uh, the war of like Jesus versus atheism. Like <laughs> that's people were like tearing so Bibles, ri- like oh burning my God. them. It was, it was kind of like, and people were like so fucking bummed on us, like so bummed, like you know what I mean. And like, yeah, and they were like, you know, it's like, dude, we had nothing. To, like, you know, we just provided the soundtrack. But like, you know, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, my Irish Catholic mother would be so disappointed right now if she saw what the hell was going on right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, like she's like Shiite Irish Catholic, so it would be like she'd really fucking <laughs> not be psyched on me. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it was just kind of like one of those like perfect storm kind of deals, and yeah. and then a band like Foundation becomes like the fucking biggest thing, and kind of took it far, far, you know, far further than we could have. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, uh, let, uh, two things, Tom. Oh, I had another question. Yes. Oh, you got a question? No, Tom, just for your, everybody. Hit but, your question. Hit your question, then we'll get Pat. Okay. So another thing. Have you ever had this is I've had this experience and it's awful. Has anyone come up to you with tattoos that were wrong? Ooh, uh they're like, oh, that's not even you obviously didn't buy the record because that's not the lyric. In my case, uh, yes. This one guy came with me, he's like, Hey man, like I'm a big fan of your band, and then like he pulled his sh- shirt up and there was a giant swastika with screwdriver written over it. And I was like, Hey man, that's not <laughs> that's my not band, me, and I'm not I'm not really of that ideology. I think you got the lines crossed here. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, uh you, you know, one time, uh not one time, like there there's this photo of like uh, a, a dude singing along and um we have a, a line where it's like the, the voices are forming, forming weapons, which is a reference right. to an old New Bedford hardcore band. Yep. But the, 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 it's book, that line is bookended with brass knuckles. And I was like, man, like that, that, that is literally a line about like nonviolence. <laughs> right. Like you got, the, you couldn't get this any further from my attack. <laughs> uh, you know, but like at the same time, I respect someone's right to be armed physically with some type of weapon so maybe it's sort of like hey i'm non-violent but by the way i'll like if you if you strike me i will beat your ass with my brass knuckles so i'm willing right, to have these in my back charitable pocket. thinking I'm, sure <laughs> like i'm willing to debate but i do have these in my back pocket right <laughs> some knuckle dusters as they say <laughs> pat have you ever had anybody come up and you're like oh no yeah m- multiple times uh i don't correct them uh we didn't either yeah, I, I don't correct them. I, I'm uh, so I, I differ from Pat on this. I I, uh, I don't know what my lyrics are about until the thirtieth time that I've sung them. So like, so if somebody else uh, can get there before me, that's fine. No, but I mean, like, have you had like 
we've had the experience that it's like, oh, no, no, those aren't the words. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. For sure. Yes, for sure. <laughs> like, I remember, I, I, I hope this dude, I mean, this is probably 17 years ago, so hopefully he's not listening to this podcast right now. And I apologize if he did. I remember being in, like, North Carolina and some dude came up to us, to Justin and I. And Indecision has this uncle, Most Precious Blood, where, like, the, the chorus, whatever, is tighten the noose. And he comes up, he's like, dude, I got an indecision tattoo. I was like, oh, let me see. And he lifts it, and, it's, and it says, time slips the noose. And I was like, that actually might be better. Yeah. But yeah. that's definitely not what um, what the words are. And I was like, well. <laughs> and so Justin and I kind of looked at each other, like, wide-eyed, like, what the fuck did we say? And we're like, dude, that's fucking awesome, man. Like, we really appreciate it. But meanwhile, we're like, holy fuck. Like, to this day, like, every once in a while, like, time slips the noose, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might just steal that. You can use that. And then I mean, but to be, to, to, to be real, though, time does slip the noose, Tom. That's true. It is. It's a, <laughs> it's a flat circle around your neck. It's true. <laughs> PK, uh, take us home. PK, take us home. Okay, well, I got two questions. One's for Tom. Uh, Tom, this is all water under the bridge, so everybody listening understands it's water under the bridge. There's no hard feelings here at all. I'm just taking Tom on a time machine to a time where there might have been hard, to- hard feelings. Is everybody prepared? Okay. I think so. I'm worried now, but sure. Tom, how much did you want to rush Artie when he put it in in an interview that uh, you you weren't real because you would go to mass with your mom? I wanted to beat the shit out of him. (laughs) (laughs) I remember seeing it and thinking I I wanted to beat up Artie. (laughs) I was like, yo, man. Okay, cool. Like, I was a fucking high school kid, and like, you know what? Like, my mom, you know, was a great person, so she was like. If she wanted me to go to church with her, I'd go to fucking church with her. If it made her happy, I'd, I'd go to shit. church Guess with your what? mom today. It's a good I, Irish boy. Kathleen Sheen is a nice lady. You know what I mean? She put up with a lot of shit from my, my namesake. Okay. So like if she if she said tomorrow, it would really mean a lot if you came to Chris, you know, church on Christmas. Guess what? Fuck all you motherfuckers. I'm going to church with my mom. I'd go. Yeah, Are whatever. you getting communion, Tom? Are you getting communion? I probably shouldn't. I mean, in all, in all reality. <laughs> then, then I'm testing the uh, architectural strength of the building. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I remember. But I think it was one of those things, like, quite honestly, in retrospect. I mean, Artie was like a fucking lunatic at the time. And to be honest, I think he put up with so much shit in the transfer mm. that – you know, like we talked about, oh, I don't know if you listened to, oh, you didn't listen to it, you just because you didn't have to edit it. But like that first show without me and with Artie, there's footage of me standing in front of the stage with Fury of Five. <laughs> like, prepare, like they were like, you just give us the, the Iggy and I'm going up like we'll just take them off the stage right now. Damn. And like there's, it's in the doc, like there's footage of it ha- like right there, like. No bullshit. Like me, Stickman, and Jay Ferry are standing there. I was like, I can't have these. Like these have been my high school friends since freshman year. I'm not going to have them beat up in the middle of Asbury Park, as <laughs> tempting as it may have been. Maybe should have for the experience. But uh, okay. So again, water under the bridge. No, nobody hates Artie. I just think that that, uh, that stuck out to me when you guys were just having when you asked the question you just asked. So, and here's my final thing. If we want to end on this. I was going to, I was going to ask Pat Flynn, not a gotcha question, but another one of these that he really needs to think about <laughs> abortion <laughs> and, and, and yeah. it, instead, <laughs> instead, I'm going to pivot to a, a, a little on air production. Okay. Um, would it be, Pat is one of the people that I'd like to do this with and he, you can decline if you care to Pat, but, uh, 
is it too nerdy to do an episode where we talk about our favorite hardcore lyricists and bring homework, bring, bring evidence. Is that too nerdy? Is that too micro or is that within the spirit and very fun? It's super nerdy and I love it. It is, it is necessary is is what it is. That that's my, like, I mean, you're, you're speaking my fucking language. The concept of bringing in evidence Brother, that is what I do for a fucking living. If you don't come to the table with hardcore, tangible evidence in front of me to prove your point that something is good or great or sucks or not significant, then I don't want to listen to you. But I think that that would be fucking awesome. Like my, uh, um, I, I just, I, I like really great lyrics are, are are hard, hard to come by. Uh, and like I, I do, I, I think that in the early stages like of, of hardcore, my, like it was almost easier to write good lyrics because some topics had literally never been written about, or if they had been written about, they had only been written about like once or twice. Right. And so it becomes increasingly harder to n- tell someone that they can't tell no one what, <laughs> what, what to do, do. Sure. <laughs> uh, and, and, and make it and make it sound fucking sick. And, it's so the challenge is even harder now. So it seems that like, it's, you know, it's understandable that there's like, it's, it's harder to read good lyrics. Uh, but also like, you know, what exactly constitutes good lyrics is like, to me, like a thousand different things. Like, sure. I, I, I yeah. love some meathead, like straight to the point stuff. And, and I, I get down with some, like some more of the poetic stuff. Uh, like, I would I would love that man. Uh, I think that that's some that's a that's a conversation that I think that more people should be having because if like if it was like I just think a lot of like music gets a pass sadly like it, it, like these days because like people don't really care about the lyrics like I, I would love for someone to be like yeah that record the music is 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 cool but the lyrics just suck like you just like never see anyone critique the lyrics of anything and even if they're like if even if they're good people don't even remark on that but it would be cool if it was like a norm for there to be like kind of in the same way like you know and this is someone who hasn't listened to hip-hop since like illmatic or liquid swords came out but like like from my very distant view like much of like like the best hip-hop of today whether or not it's actually even good is predicated upon like the actual like like content of what you're saying mm-hmm. uh i i it, but then there's a lot of like posturing as, as there is in hardcore as well but like um it seems like like what's his face kendrick lamar was able to kind of like you know stand out amongst a whole lot of people because he had some lyrical value that people were like oh oh shit it would just be cool if like you know like you didn't just need a good beat or a good riff to be considered like good it would be great if like oh the riff is cool riff is great but the lyrics are fucking awful that would be great if people actually talked about it and i think that you know that that could be achieved if uh do you you guys think that 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 your age the audience the listener age matters when it comes to lyrics as well you know what i mean because i'll tell you my opinion is that one, it's a, it sounds like an excellent exercise, obviously. 
Um, but two, when I was 17, I poured over that. And I don't do that now. But you, you don't, I, you don't, my you don't question pour over is, lyrics? No, 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 not like, um, not like on new records. You know what yeah. I mean? Not the way I did at 17. And a lot of that, to be honest, is mood, time, interest. Um, just not having the time to sit there in your room and read along to a record. Um, and then it's not to say that it never happens. You know, there's, there's records I'll look at. Uh, but, but I wonder if that's, if there's a certain point where we're speaking in audience, like I think, I think there's still people who are doing a lot of cool things lyrically. So that might be my, my question is, do you do, you, you clearly bring the best, but do you try to give nod to contemporary uh, lyricists as well? Uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah. so there's a couple of people that might, it, it, it possibly I, I would explore as doing great work right now. And we could talk about that. We could talk about uh, who in our view is, is standing above, but I, it could also be just as fun or, or instructive to hit some of our friends that are young as fuck and say, Hey, could you give us, just give us your top three right now. Who's yeah? That that's what I'm thinking. I okay. want to see right. if there's because I'm thinking there's there's lyricists who like a 17 year old right now is like yeah this is this shit I'm I'm connecting with you know. But here's the thing, and and I, I like you gotta you gotta you gotta say why <laughs> you gotta you gotta yeah. make oh, the no, kids sure. explain Show why you like this like like what exactly is is the like lyrical like what is the phrasing what is like why yeah. is it the, the use of this word i mean why that's everything like it? that's everything <laughs> i mean it's the same thing i don't we 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 still do this anyone who sends us their music i go okay what does it sound like and that's not me trying to get some ffo it's me trying to get them to tell me what they're doing um, or what, why they're doing it. And, you know, the why of things is, is the only thing that's interesting uh, after a certain point. So, um, all right, well, yo, we're going to, uh, Pat, we'll talk to your agent about scheduling this <laughs> and, uh, and we'll have some homework ready. Oh, did you that's... notice that Pat Kinlan laughed, but you were actually talking to Pat yes. Oh, like, I, knew, Pat I, knew who, like, I know who he was <laughs> referring to, but my, you should talk to my agent as well. Do you have an agent? I've got two agents. Oh yeah, Pat. I, I mean, I, I I've been I've been listening to your other podcasts. Fascinating. Yes. Like I didn't I didn't know I don't know much about your non-hardcore life. Fascinating stuff. You got comics <laughs> and and you're also uh, like an Infowars right wing warrior. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people a lot of people don't know of my third career as a wing nut. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I listened to Worst Possible Timeline for the first time, uh, not just like like about two weeks ago, and it was the episode where you had, I, I put you in context. Uh, you had just spent the last two and a half, almost month in Cambodia, not knowing if you'd ever return, while a global pandemic and hysteria was raging through the country that you were supposed to return to. Hey, Pat. And, Pat, you, you, you don't you don't need to make excuses. You could just you could just say what insane thing I said. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It, don't it worry about it. There was nothing specific, but man, I I I I loved it. It was <laughs> it was it was another side that I that I was just down for. So uh, you know, I'll, I'll be listening in uh, ne- next time. That's, uh, the, uh, that's the Cohoes basement apartment version of Patrick. Yeah. 
works at Lumber 84 and thinks that people who don't get their coffee at Stewart's got some real fucking snooty attitudes. <laughs> All right, uh, Pat, thank you very much for coming on, and we'll have yeah, you on again you, sometime man. soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, w- w- with that, with that assignment in, in mind. Oh, great time! Uh, great, great, great. Just give me the heads up. I'm, I'm down. Cool. Thank you, Pat. Later, All buddy. right. See you guys later. Thanks, Pat. See ya.